Now, most of you have uh, been to the first session or watched the DVDs, yes? And have all of you had the uh, opportunity to ask the questions you wanted to ask? No. No? No. No. So, do, do you want to just start with a few minutes of answering some questions? Would you do that? And then we can get on to the topic for today. How's that sound? So, those of you who wanted to ask a question, go ahead. I just wanted to know, you talked about connecting with God um, emotionally. That's the only way that you can connect with God. And I just want you to talk more about the emotions. And you also said that um, you know it's truth because um, of your emotions. And I just wanted you to talk a bit more about that. Okay. Um, so the connection with God is a soul-to-soul -soul connection. And I suppose a lot of what we'll be answering today, that question a lot, because today our discussion is about the human soul. What is your, your soul? And it's important to understand that every, every connection that you have with God and with other people here, all the people here too you have a connection with, but it's all not an intellectual connection. It's all actually a feeling-based or emotionally-based connection. It's a soul-to-soul -soul connection. And when you start understanding that everything that's happening in your life is actually based around what's going on inside of your soul, then you start seeing the importance of this understanding the soul itself and what the soul is all about. So a lot of your question will be answered today by going through this subject about the human soul and what it is. And, and the Um, not completely, because the, the problem with our emotional state is that we are all beginning with all of these emotional injuries that's been impressed upon us through our parents' injuries and our environment injuries and so forth. So as that gets impressed upon us, many of the things that we feel are truthful and therefore feel emotionally connected with are actually, from God's perspective, error. Right. So, so we can't always trust what's going on inside of us emotionally if we're looking at God's truth. But there is a connection we can trust. And that's the connection that's the resonance between our soul and God's soul. So once, when we're receiving divine love, then we can trust what's coming to us with regard to truth. How do we know that? Uh, because the reception of divine love is an actual emotion that you're receiving from God and when you receive it, you know you're receiving it in that particular moment. Right? And you know that it's from outside of yourself, not inside of yourself. Right? Remember, in the beginning I said there was two loves. There's the natural love, and then there's the divine love. And remember I said the natural love is the love that you have inbuilt inside of you, that you can expand and grow. That's the love that you express for everyone else. Then there's the divine love, and that love is God's love. God's love can also enter you and expand your soul as well and you can then reflect that love through your own love to others as well but you must first receive divine love and you can't receive divine love from anyone other than God so that's an important thing to bear in mind so the love that you feel and express from within yourself is the natural love growing within you and that's a part of your growth every one of us needs to grow in the way we reflect natural love so, you know, when you feel like compassion for somebody because of their circumstance or situation and you want to help them, well, that's your natural love being expressed <coughs> to that person. Right? Now, 
that natural love that you're expressing to the other person can grow and change in its qualities and attributes to a new type of love when God's love enters you. So when God's love enters you, it changes your soul so much that the type of love you reflect to other people also changes. So it's important to understand, though, that it's the connection with the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth. So it's the connection between you and God at a soul level that actually lets the emotion flow through you where you are actually connected with God. Under those circumstances, you know what truth is. Anything that creates you pain and anything that you often feel is actually pleasurable is often based on needy emotions being projected to, to others and, and you want a response from them. So, for example, um, a lot of people today believe it's loving to be very influential in their own children's lives. Right? How many of you are always concerned about what's happening with your children? How many mothers are always concerned about what's happening with children? Quite a few, right? Now, that is not a ref that is actually an error-based emotion, believe it or not. Now, every mother who hears those words usually reacts, no, it's not. It's, this, is, this is what I'm meant to have within me. But every emotion inside of you that creates a worry is not love. Love never worries. Right? Do you think God worries? Does God worry? Obviously not. And he's always reflecting love, right? So, so when you get in a state of abundance with God, do you think you're going to worry? Even about your children? Even if your children even die, do you think you're going to worry? Right? You're not. Because you'll know the full truth and there won't be any emotional signature with any of those events, right? So oftentimes what we're doing with our emotions is we're holding on to negative emotions and we base our actions upon those emotions that we think are truthful. And this is the problem with all natural love progression. All of us at, at the moment here believe things that are not true, but we, with our whole heart, believe them to be true. And so when you say trusting yourself, the problem with trusting yourself is there's going to be some emotions within you that actually you can't really trust if you want to be at one with God. Right? Now you will need to experience them, but you're not, you, if you trust them in the sense of you believe them to be true, then that will stop your progression towards God. Does that make sense? And now, at the start, it's very difficult to determine what is God's truth, what is my truth, what do I hold on, what do I reject. The key thing is if you go into it emotionally every time, you won't need to worry about that. Because what happens is when you go into it emotionally is if there's any emotions bubbling up inside of you that are painful, then they are emotions that just need to come out. And all of them are not based upon love. So how many of you feel you've been hurt by loving somebody? Right? Now that feeling is actually an error feeling. When I say it's an error feeling, what it, what it is, is if you feel love hurts, then it wasn't love that you had. It was something else. You follow me? Because God never hurts. Like God, even if you decide you never even want to connect with God ever in your entire life, you never want to experience God, you're going to deny God's existence even. God does not feel hurt with you doing that. 
And the reason why is because God gave you the gift of free will and you can do whatever you like. Why would he be hurt about a gift that he's given you? Uh, now, if I'm feeling hurt about my expression of love to someone else, then there is something inside of that hurt that wasn't love in the first place. And I need to allow myself to experience that. So can you see how a lot of times we hold on to things inside of ourselves that we believe to be true, but in reality, most of the time, in many cases, they are actually in disharmony with God's love. And it's a matter of releasing them. So I, I never believed that I'd get into a state myself where I could say, watch my soulmate do something, like even have a relationship with someone else and still love her without feeling hurt. You follow me? And even if she left me to have a relationship with somebody else, I'd never felt that I could actually, you know, be comfortable with that. But now I feel that I'm, I'm totally comfortable with that. Right? There'd be no hurt associated. Now, it took nine weeks of crying for five hours a day to get into that state. Right? To release all of the emotional pain that was connecting me to those, other, those old emotions. You follow me? But once you release all of those emotions, then you get into a state where that no longer you don't feel a connection with that anymore. And that will happen all the way through your progression. So all of those ladies that put up their hand about worrying about their children, you will get to a state in your own progression where you no longer worry about your children. All you do is love them. Right? And you won't feel like you have to interfere with their life and you won't feel like you have to guide them and you won't talk about them when they're doing something you think is wrong or you think is hurting them or you, you won't feel all of those emotions anymore. You will just want to give them love when they want to receive that love. So you follow how things can be like we believe them to be true but in reality a lot of times from God's perspective they're actually error. And it's only when you release the emotional error that you can recognise more truth. And a lot of people then ask, well, how do I know that I'm realizing an emo that I'm re releasing emotional error? If it's painful, you're releasing emotional error. Right? If it's joyous, you're accepting an emotional truth. So how many of you have had a moments of epiphany when it's just all just joyous that you've received? Sometimes I've felt it in the groups, hey, quite a lot of you. Those moments are when your soul just expanded because you received the truth. And, and you might even be crying at the time, but you'd be crying tears of joy, right? Now that's a totally different experience than releasing the emotional error. The emotional error is often a very painful experience. It's like you've had these barbs sticking in you emotionally, and you've just yanked one out. And all of a sudden, you know, there's just huge pain associated with that. Well, it's okay. You can, receive, you can go through all of that pain, and you will need to eventually go through and pull out all of those barbs that have been stuck in you from the moment you incarnated onwards. And eventually you'll be free of them. Right? Now that's the only time, once you're completely free of them, that you'll always be in the state where you're receiving truth, if you decide to connect to God. But there are people here on earth and in the spirit world who believe themselves to be connecting to God, but it's only an intellectual exercise, and they are not connecting with God, but they believe themselves to be connecting with God and they're in a very good condition of happiness. They've released lots of their emotions. Am I received an email? Is Tim here today? How are you, Tim? Nice to meet you. Tim uh, mentioned an email to me recently about how you were going through this experience of you know, doing emotional clearing work 
and and you found it very very effective, yeah. and and then you realise that the that, that the, the ingredient missing was God, yeah. And, and this is, so all of you will need to do emotional clearing work, whether you decide to go on the natural love path and develop yourself in natural love, or go on the divine path and develop yourself in divine love. You will all have to do emotional clearing work. But the difference is this connection with God that matters. And we'll talk more about that today because of the soul and how that connection actually occurs. Right. Now, is another question? Yeah, um, this is about... Um, those little beautiful circles that you draw with the male and the female, and you do that a lot. And this um, one here, like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, then we all have our male and our female side. So. Um, oh, careful, careful. We're not drawing that. I'm actually drawing. It's a yin and yang symbol, right? And actually, remember that it splits in half. And we'll talk more about this today. So remember that. The masculine half splits off and the feminine half splits off at incarnation, but each person does have masculine and feminine qualities, of course. So that's why there's a little dot in each half, just to indicate that there's a part of the other in each as well. There's a part of the feminine in the masculine, and there's a part of the masculine in the feminine. Okay. But go on with your question, sorry. And, and, and then you did um, put up the uh, distribution curve, and you were saying that we're sort of randomly dispersed around that curve. Yeah, in terms like of male side and then female side. Right? In terms of the creation of the complete soul, this oh, thing, that, not oh, these. Oh, okay. You follow me? Oh, right. So there are, the complete soul also has a dominant characteristics in sexuality, what we would call sexuality. So it can be dominantly masculine or dominantly feminine or more sort of evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. Right. The one, those that are dominantly masculine will split into two masculine. In entities in the connection. But they still have female side in them. It, exactly. There's still female qualities in them. Yeah? So like in a gay male couple, for example, a gay soulmate couple, uh -huh. um, the Apostle John is an example of that. He, he, him and his soulmate are gay, a couple, from our perspective here on earth. And um, when, when they separated and incarnated, they incarnated into two male, uh, each a male form. John's side of the male form was heavily masculine and his, his um, opposite half, if you like, his soulmate was was a little more feminine than he. Okay. Mm. All right. And that balances. Is that supposed to balance it out? Um, yeah. The way I see it is that each soul is an individual within itself. So each soul has individual characteristics and and specific attributes <coughs> that no other person, no other soul, no other complete soul in the universe has. So when you talk about balance. What do we define as balance in the end? Right? Really what we're talking about is each soul has its unique, its unique individualization. And, and within itself, the split of that soul is just totally determined by how God created that. And so like this talk about balance, like being balanced here and balanced there, to me it's sort of more of an intellectual discussion then rather than, rather than an emotional discussion. When you connect with yourself fully emotionally, you're not worried about balance or, in fact, you don't worry about hardly anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> and you don't worry, of course, once you're a one, we go, you don't worry about anything at all. So you're not even concerned about, am I being balanced right now or am I not being balanced right now? That never even enters your mind. Okay. Yeah. So um, when, when we become, come in as a female, 
body or a male body, that really is irrelevant. And the soul will, the full soul will always split in the same manner. So, so my half of the soul in the first century was masculine. My soulmate's half was feminine, right? Uh -huh. When we split this time, my soulmate's my soul is my half the soul's masculine. Like so, each time you go into a similar a similar body, in other words, a similar gendered body. So you don't swap genders. Now, many of you have been taught through New Age stuff that you were a female or a male in the past, right? Many of you have heard that? What's actually happening is you have heavy spirit influence with spirits who are with you giving you their life experience. Right? They're, they're trying to work through their emotional issues with you. They feel attracted to you. And they try to work through their emotional issues with you by doing that. And it triggers emotions inside of you. Right? So many of you have guides with you right now who are the opposite gender to yourself. And the reason why is there's a certain aspect within yourself they feel you need to develop that you're not developing. You follow me? And so they stay with you until they work through those particular issues. Do you mind if I mention no. yourself, Grant? Like you, ten years ago, from Grant's perspective, you were sort of dominantly masculine, not understanding the feminine so well. That would be a fairly accurate statement, would it? Yes. Yeah. And then what's ha been happening over the last 10 years for Grant is he's been having more and more relationships with women that are friendship-based relationships. And he's learning a lot about women in that, in that way, right? Learning a lot about coming to love women not from a sexual perspective, but rather from a more complete friendship perspective, right? And in the process of doing that, what you've been doing is just like growing in the way that you understand femininity. And so that, that's what happens a lot, is that we often also have spirits around us who are also trying to assist us to do that same thing. And some of those spirits will be in a sad place still, and they will need your assistance to help them to do those things. And others will be in quite a good place and they're just giving you pictures about their life to trigger your emotion, to actually help you experience some of your emotion. Um, in the first century, how did you, I mean, you were pretty much by yourself, how did you actually get yourself to a level where you were able to understand that you were communicating with God? Um, it began when I was very, very little. Um, you know how nowadays a lot of you have, have had, probably in your own life, like spirit friends that you've talked to from a young age and you call them, your, your parents finished up calling them your imaginary friends or whatever, and maybe made a lot of... Um, you know, jokes about that or whatever. What happened for myself was that that began at a very young age where I just felt the connection with God. And I didn't understand it at the beginning, but then I started realising that I was connecting to the person who had created everything around me. Like, so everything that I saw and everything that I felt, there was a confirming emotion that I felt coming from God. And as I grew up, um, I became more and more aware uh, through my study of what you would call nowadays the prophets in the Bible, and I studied all of those in the first century, I became more and more and more aware of what they were talking about in terms of having a one-ment with God, in terms of having a new heart, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone, and what they called the transformation that they all, many of the prophets had experienced from spirits. And I started incorporating all of those things in my life connecting with the source of all things rather than to the spirits, as prophets would do or as mediums would do. And as, I, as that grew, my desire for God's love grew 
to such an extent that when I was in my teens, I started realising that I had this unique connection with God that people around me didn't seem to have. And, uh, and then through my study of the, of the prophets again, I started looking, at, I wanted to find the Messiah and because, you know, it was foretold in my, that in my generation the Messiah would appear and it was a well-known thing uh, back in Israel at that time. And so I was really, really interested in this idea of um, the Messiah appearing. I wanted to find him and learn things from him and all those kind of things. So I went through these emotions in my late teens of, you know, looking what qualities and attributes the Messiah would have and so forth. And it was only um, in my early 20s that I started realising that those qualities and attributes were, were qualities and attributes within myself. And, and so then I had to go through this process of recognising um, this unique place that I seemed to be in, that I thought initially that everyone else must be in as well. But you know how it's like when you're a child, you think that everyone else feels exactly the same as you do. And then as you grow up into an adult and you grow further and further, you start realising, hang a sec, no, they don't feel the way I do. And it was only then that I started seeing how, how different what was going on inside of me was to the people around me. So it was sort of like a gradual progression of this divine love flowing into my soul, which I could feel, and my longing then for it growing and growing and growing to such a point that uh, when I was in my late 20s, uh, um, I felt the connection complete. So I became at one with God. And that's when I began telling others about it in a public way. Is that answer? Yeah. yeah. So is it similar when you were talking to back then, like similar to the sort of things you're telling us? In terms of emotions, yeah. What, um, it was a little different for me back then in that um, there, I didn't have too many errors to actually work my way through because this connection began at such a young age. And so a lot of the things that would happen around me and my family didn't enter me emotionally. You know, so my father treated me a certain way under certain conditions. My father felt he was cursed to have me as his child. But that feeling didn't enter me uh, because I'd already by that stage know that I wasn't cursed and he wasn't either. Um, so there was just that feeling within me that that wasn't the truth. So you know how most of us have taken on truth from our parents, right? What we call truth, which is really error. But we're taking on these conceptions, right? From our parents and, and they've been absorbed into us. Well that didn't happen to me very much in the first century at all. And so what what that meant was that I could clearly see what was going on and I wasn't personally hurt or offended by what was going on around me because of that. Yeah. Um, when you were Jesus, uh, or Talar, whatever, um, you, you used to do a lot of healings in those days. Yeah. Um, by the way, I have CFS. Yeah. That's, that's not part of the question. There was a projection um, there that would have to do with that. <laughs> um, and you did your healings in those days. Do you find you have... If, if someone gets a healing, that it's basically healing the cause to the problem and then the physical um, um, hang, hang, hang on to that, which is the biological problem, yep. the physical problem, yep. um, goes away because there's a reconciliation between that person spiritually. Yeah, um, yeah, it's important to understand what's happening with healing. And in the first century, once I became at one with God, and the same will happen to all of you once you get into that state of at one with God, you'll feel it very, very easy to heal other people. But you'll also have some very strong divine love constraints, if you like, against, uh, upon that. When I say divine love constraints, 
there are certain laws involved with divine love, and we'll talk about some of them today, that actually limit what you may do because of free will. So if a person is holding on to an emotion within them, and then they come and they say, I want to be healed, but they're not willing to actually address the emotional cause within them, healing them is actually a totally pointless exercise. Because what happens is if you heal them, they would just recreate the illness again through their emotional condition. So it's very important, and this also applies to spirit possession and other issues too, it's very important that people understand the causes of what's actually going on in each interaction, and that's very much the case with healing. If people don't understand the emotional causes and are willing to address the emotional causes, then what's the point of addressing the effect? One thing to bear in mind, and there's a whole discussion I have for a half a day on cause and effect, one of the laws of God. And one thing to understand that's very basic about God is God never fixes something at its effect level. He only addresses things at the causal level. You understand the difference? Like, you look at all a man's laws. We have, like, hundreds of thousands of... Most of you have got no idea what laws you are now living under. Isn't that the case? How many? You have to go to a lawyer to find out what laws you're living under, right? And even he doesn't know, right? He has to get out the whole taxation volume thing and and slap that on the table and he has to get out all these other laws. And, and, you know, that's why they study for so many years to get to that condition where they even know how to find the law. And yet we're automatically so-called living under this law, right? Now, all of these laws, the majority of them deal with effects. So the law of you have to drive on one side of the road deals with an effect of people not being consider it normally, so you make a law so that everyone knows the same, to do the same thing. And it just makes everything more orderly and harmonious. And you can look at a lot of laws, like the law about speeding is one of those laws. Like, you're driving along, there's no one on the road, and there's an 80k sign, how do you feel? <laughs> like, you're driving along at 3 in the morning and there's just no one there, just you, right? And, and there's an 80k sign comes up after 110, and you're looking around going, why am I doing this right? <laughs> but if there's like the whole place is packed with traffic, an 80k sign might be far too fast, right? You might need to slow right down to 60 or even less. Because it's not actually addressing the cause of the problem. All of these signs and all of these laws. God only addresses causes. Right? So it's very important to understand that is also a principle with healing. God will only address the cause. So God's divine love will not enter a person to address a, an effect of a thing that's inside of them that has a cause if they are unwilling to deal with the emotion. Just to continue on that, if, if people practice healing, you're probably better off just working with the emotions primarily and then the second, secondary would be the physical response to that. Exactly. You know all the spirit body work that you can do, like, you know, you can do a lot of spiritual healing work with chakras and so forth and get all of the energy points in a person, physical, person's spirit body working properly. All of that work is pointless if you can't understand that it's the soul, which is what we're going to talk about today, that's driving all of those injuries. So this is why you can go back to a spiritual healing session, feel good for a day, and then the emotions start, you know, of course the emotions are just going to reimpose their same errors upon the, the being. And so what's the point in solving the physical problem when the emotion that created the physical problem still exists within the person? 
All you're going to be doing is making them reliant on you. Now, God doesn't do that, but there are lots and lots of six-fear spirits and spirits on the natural love path who will do that constantly. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of healers nowadays who are healing people fairly well, but they get injuries again back later. And the reason why is because there's a lot of natural love spirits who are healing the person for whatever reasons the natural love spirits have to do it, but not respecting this law of cause and effect in, in, that's happening upon the soul. You mean all pervasive? You mean you're talking about God? Yeah. How can you be separate from God? And then I wanted to know how to have a personal, more intimate um, relationship with God. That, yeah. That I thought was impersonal. All right. The gift of free will is what enables you to decide whatever you want. So that gift that God gave you can be exercised in such a way that you then believe you are not connected with God. Right? So you create separateness. Right? And it's very important to understand that in the beginning, God created us to be at one with God eventually. But God didn't automatically give that gift to you because then she would have been overcoming your free will. She wants you to make a free will choice to connect with her. You follow me? She doesn't want, you to, for she doesn't want to force herself or force her love on you. Is it love then? No. No. So God does not force her love on you. So there is no divine love in you at the time you incarnate. <coughs> so please understand that. There's a common fallacy today that, we, that people believe we all have the divine spark within us. That's one of the things I addressed today. You have a natural love spark within you. And if you want to receive a divine love in you, you need to ask for it. It's quite simple. And there's one, the one reason why is because... God's love is, belongs to God, something outside of you, and it can enter you only if your free will is exercised. God always respects your free will. So that's the first thing to understand. Separateness is created by our desire to disconnect, firstly from ourselves, but also in the end from things around us. So as soon as you desire to disconnect from your emotion, you're at that moment desiring to disconnect from yourself, because your true self is your emotion, and you're desiring to disconnect from everyone around you, and you're desiring to connect, disconnect from God. As soon as you reconnect with your emotion, whatever that emotion is, and it could be that you're fuming angry, as soon as you start connecting to that emotion, you're now at least connecting with yourself. You might not be connecting with too other, many other people in that state, but at least with yourself, you're at least making the first step into this process of connecting with yourself, everyone, and, and God as well. Is that... Makes sense. And the second half of your question was? To have a personal We'll talk about that more today, because that's part of the soul discussion I want to go through today. Hey, Jay, I just got a two-part question. Um, I've just been wondering lately, which one came first, the thought or the emotion? The emotion always. So, so the first people to incarnate, they would have received an emotion first, and then their mind would have categorised it? And if you think about a child, it very rarely has thoughts associated with emotions. It's only as we grow that we start making thoughts associated with emotions generally. So the very first thing that kicks you off with everything is your emotion or your passion or your desire. So when I talk about emotion, I'm using a term very generally.
because I might also be, mean passion, desire, longing, and all those other things. So, for example, if I have a longing for your love, but you don't give it to me, then I'll feel a feeling within me that I'm not receiving it. And that will create a thought within me that may be through a filter of why. Like, I may blame myself and say I'm not up to your standard and that's why I'm not getting your love. Or if I don't have that feeling, it might, you know, it might, there might be other feelings in me that create these thoughts. But the trouble with most of us is that they create the thoughts so rapidly, these emotions, that we think that it's the thoughts that are controlling us. And we think that if we think new things, that it's going to help. Now, every spirit on the natural love path thinks that. They think that if you create new thoughts in your mind, it will change your emotions. But you know what's actually happening is you're creating a fictitious state. You're not being real. It's only the release of the emotion that creates bliss in the end. And the release of the emotions about experience. So how, how do you, because I actually get them mixed up, I think. Well, you're very thought-oriented and have been from, from childhood. It's been browbeaten into you to, to think rather than feel. And because of, that, because of that, there's this constant desire to get back into the intellect all the time, right? And that's, many of you have the same thing going on, right? This constant trigger to get back into the intellect. And it's very much more dominant in a male than a female, generally, as well. And so, so what we're trying to do all the time is explain the universe around us through our thoughts. But the only time we're going to understand the universe around us is through our feelings. And again, a lot of those questions will be answered today in this session that we talked about. Because they seem to, um, like you feel, you feel the emotion, then the mind will just pop up straight away. And a lot of times the mind pops up with a different thought, even compared to the emotion sometimes, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Does your mind have to be still to release an emotion? Um, your mind has to be the passive the passive observer of your emotion. Or you could even make it into the active observer by helping you access the, the soul's emotion. When, when your mind is the, is the dominant part of your being, that's the thing that you need to undo. Because if your mind's dominant, what happens is your mind is constantly trying to suppress what the emotional expression is. And so all of you have been taught at some point in your childhood to dominate your emotion with your mind. Like, how many times have you heard it? Emotion is weak. Like, it's a common belief, isn't it? Even in New Age belief, it's a common belief, isn't it? Your, your, your emotion is weak, your mind is strong. Use your mind to dominate your emotion. It's a common, common teachings all the way through life. How, how many times do you see parents shutting down their emotions? So, each one of you noticing a parent, when you were little, you notice a parent shutting down your emotion, what are you going to do? Of course. Because you think that's the only way. Like, if I'm feeling angry, what does mum and dad treat me when I'm angry? How do they treat me? Usually they want to punish me, right? So what am, I, am I allowed to feel anger anymore? No. So I have to shut that down. So I learn very quickly that there's certain behaviour that I've got to now start shutting down with my mind, right? It's, and yet it, the opposite thing needs to actually occur. We need to be able to express those emotions so that we can get to the cause emotion and experience that and then release that. But a lot more of those questions will be answered today, I think, when we start talking about what the soul is. Okay. Yeah. Um, hey, Jay, I just wanted to have that um, understanding that we do not choose our parents, our parents choose us. Yep. So, why, I mean, if we have parents who are abusive and 
mother parents are lovely and loving, what, how that do we get a chance that is like um, the inequality of it? Well, firstly understand that God created equality. God, what God wanted was that each of us would incarnate into a pristine, into a pristine preparation of a body with no emotional damage. That's what God wanted. It was man's choice to become self-reliant that created all of these emotions of inequality. So every inequality and injustice you have ever experienced is totally the creation of someone before you. Some person who has walked away from God. So it might be, you know, your parents or it might be grandparents. Or might, and if we trace it right, right back, it's the first human couple decided to walk away from God too. So understand firstly that God wanted this pristine environment for you to incarnate into. And every feeling of injustice that you have within your soul now <coughs> is due to people deciding they didn't want God involved in that process anymore. And, and that's why God has a lot of, uh, I suppose you could say, um, love and mercy for each of us. And no matter what we've chosen to do, even for a murderer, God has love and mercy. And the reason why is because God knows that the creation of that person to become a murderer was caused by all of these different emotional conditions, right? That God doesn't, didn't want man to create in the sense of when I say didn't want, he gave us free will, the choice to do that if we wanted. But from God's perspective, he would prefer to see us make some choices in harmony with love. Right? And every time we make choices out of harmony with love, we are going to experience the pain of those choices. And unfortunately, the way the system works, and, and when I say unfortunately, it's I believe actually that it's a beautiful system to bring us into correction is that the more of us that feel the pain of what we've chosen as a human race, the more of us will feel like what we want to change. So how many of you are here, like, because you've had at some time in the past, experienced so much emotional pain that you want answers? Like, wouldn't pretty much, like, the majority of us feel that way, right? So if we hadn't have got that emotional pain of correct, which is what, and then had this desire for truth in our heart, we wouldn't come to a point of correction. And so God's automatic created this automatic correcting system in all the universe. The physical universe has it, the spirit universe has it, and our soul has it. This automatic correcting system. If we listen to it. And uh, that's where all of our pain comes from. So understand that where all of our pain comes from was not the creation of God. It was the creation of man who wants to be in disharmony with God and exercise his free will down the road of self-reliance. Yeah. And that's why in the first century I called that the wide path. The wide path and the Bible and the other scholars added the words that leads to destruction, right? But it's actually a wide path that most people follow because most people just go along with the norm and don't have these epiphanies that we need to have to realise that, hang on a sec, where we're going here is just creating more pain. <laughs> How many of you believe it's true? Like, I believed it's true at one point in my life, exactly what you've said. The reason why it's totally false is because we're discounting the law of attraction. Each of us, including like, what we create, uh, we are all creators, all of us. 
you all went to create this government you are now living under. You are all beginning, you have all conformed to its laws and rules. And you all feel powerless to change it. Many of us do, don't we? We feel powerless to actually change it. The truth is actually very, very different. The truth that we need to understand, and this is some, another thing that will come out today, is that the soul, the real you, has the power to change everything around you. Right? One person in a state of atonement with God has the power to change the world. Completely. One person. That means you. You have actually, in you, this ability, once you're at one with God, if that's what you desire, you have this ability to change the world. Just you. And that means not just change... I'm not just talking about changing the world in some kind of, like, you know, mamby-pamby sort of, like, you know, gentle sense. I'm talking about confronting every single thing around you so much that the whole world begins to change because of you. You have far more power but only when you recognise where it comes from. It comes from your soul, not from your mind. So what we often do is we see all these injustices in the world, we see these governments doing these things in the world, and we see this separation between the first tier of government, if you like, and the people and so forth. And we see all of these things going on, and what we then do is go down the track of trying to change it with a force of will. Right? Don't we? Like, we get into this state of getting angry about it. Anger is a great thing because it has a tendency to motivate you out of powerlessness. When in reality what we need to do is just feel our powerlessness. But we get into that state and off we go and we actually want to force change in the world. And in the end we can't. And so then what we do is get into this terrible hopeless state because we're doing all of this driving it from this top level that's not connecting with our soul. When you change your soul to the point where you're at one with God, every single thing around you will automatically change. Right? The law of attraction will happen that way. There will be, like, I've had it just happen just like on the trip down here yesterday. And I was driving along with Tristan and my son, and, and I just said to Tristan, oh, I think we should wash the car, because right? the car's a bit dirty out in the bush. And... Uh, but I've got to pick up these CDs from somebody and I've got to go and also drop these plans off to somebody else and I've got to get all these things done in Gympie. Right? And uh, so I just let myself feel about that for a moment and then we rang up the man who had, had to do, I did, had to do the plans with and he said, oh, can I meet you at the car wash? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the CDs that you need, I've got with me. And then he arrived at the car wash and he said, I've got no idea why I wanted to meet you here. <laughs> he did, that's what he said. He said, I don't know why I didn't get to meet you out where you went past. Because <laughs> we went past him to meet at that place. And, and what I realised at that point was the law of attraction was just happening, that was like just based on just a desire from the soul automatically happening. That's the beauty of a lot of these things. Once you change the soul, your soul just has a desire and everything just happens around you. Like... Last night, uh, I said to Mary that I've, um, I wanted to have uh, some tomatoes and, and uh, mushrooms for breakfast. <laughs> and uh, and we, went, we went down to West End and we didn't get my tomatoes and mushrooms, but we popped out of here, down here and we walked across the road to have some lunch. And lo and behold, there were my tomatoes and mushrooms, <laughs> exactly as I ordered last night, actually. 
And so that happens all the time now. Like all of the time now, I get exactly what I want, and 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 it just comes from the desire of that. I don't have to think about it; it just sort of pops into my life. You follow me? Now that will happen to you when you work on the soul. It's to do with the soul. It's not to do with the mind. You're saying, you know, like saying affirmations, it doesn't help the soul. How can you get there? I mean. <laughs> Let, let, me look at, let me look at one affirmation. You're jogging along. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy, right? To receive all of this abundance, right? I, so we often say to ourselves, I am wealthy. I am wealthy. You're not wealthy. <laughs> right? The truth is you feel broke, right? right? That's the truth. So what do we need to go into emotionally? What we need to do is go into emotionally. I am broke, right? Now go deeper into that emotionally, right? How does it feel being broke? I feel like nobody cares for me, nobody looks after me, I've always got to drive it myself, I've always got to work hard. You know, and when you start connecting with some of those emotions, where do you go then? You want to cry about them, generally. So cry about them, release them, because they are childhood emotions. When you do that, the emotion of, I am broke, has left you. When that leaves you, automatically, the law of attraction will bring you everything you need. And you won't have to say any affirmations at all. Right? So when I was saying affirmation, there was a time in my life when I was doing that, and nothing changed. As soon as I allowed myself to connect with the causal emotion, the underlying emotion, which is usually the opposite of the affirmation. Right? You notice that? The underlying emotion is always the opposite of the affirmation. Right? So I'm saying, I'm, so I'm, I'm saying, you know, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. I'm, I'm really broke, right? And I'm just not being honest about it. <laughs> and I'm not connecting. I'm not connecting with the underlying emotion of of why of what's the emotion inside of me that causes me. And you'll find there's some very core childlike feelings in there. And one of the biggest core ones is God does not care for me. Right? That's a huge core emotion that all of us uh, usually have to get to the point of releasing. I think maybe before you're saying like we um, use free will and everything. Um, it's like I think to myself, I didn't choose to have all this pain. So where yeah. is the free will there? Let me clarify free will. The issue of free will. The issue of free will starts at the time you incarnate. You're not even really conscious of your own free will, and unfortunately, the people who are conscious of your free will abuse it. So from that moment on, the majority of us are facing problems because our parents chose to abuse our free will from the moment we were conceived. All right? And at some point, some generation's got to change this cycle. Yeah. But right? it's not really a choice, is it? Because they're sort of reacting. No, what I'm saying is that it was the choice of the parent to do that, right? Not the choice of the child. So when you're a child, you're right, you are, because you're just a babe even in the use of your free will, other people's free will gets imposed upon you. And that's the damage. That's done to. It's not, not really their free will if they're unconscious of what they're doing. Um, how many parents, like, as a parent, I've been a parent myself, and I know that a lot of times I was conscious of the denial of my own emotion. So certainly most parents are conscious that they are running away from their own emotion. It's just they don't think it has an effect on their children, but they don't see the linkages. And this is a problem with untruth, is we often don't see the complete linkages of what's actually going on. Now, getting back to the first part of your question, which was one of injustice, isn't that unjust? 
right, is the question. And the, the answer is, love isn't just. Are you saying God's love isn't just? I'm saying all love isn't just. That was confronting, hey? How many of you feel like love needs to be just? In fact, I'll just give you an example, right? Um, I was trying to work through issues. I, I was married at one stage and I was trying to work through issues of why I didn't feel like I felt like God wanted me to stay in this relationship because of my religious beliefs. And I, uh, I couldn't understand why there was so much pain in this relationship. You know, because I felt I loved the woman and, uh, and I didn't feel like she loved me. And I went along to a, uh, a psychiatrist and he said, you know what your problem is? He said, your relationship's not just. He said that if your relationship's just, then you'd be right. It's only relationships that are just that are stay together. Now, in your life, you've probably noticed that actually. Like, if you've got two people who are willing to cheat on each other, they'll probably stay together. Don't <laughs> they? And you've got two people who aren't willing to cheat on each other, then they'll probably stay together. But if you've got one person who's willing to cheat on its partner, and the other partner doesn't like it, are they going to stay together very much? Probably not, right? You've got one party that's willing to lie to the other. If they're both willing to lie to each other, they often stay together. But it's when one does the opposite to the other that the relationship. Whoever came in. <laughs> it's well. <laughs> when you've got one who, who, who does it, you know, who's doing the opposite to the other, then obviously there's, there's this thing that automatically happens. And what I'm saying to you is that that is not love. In fact, you will get to a stage in your life in the future where you can love another person and they can totally abuse you and you can still love them and you won't have any emotions attached to that. Right? Now, remember that's what I said in the first century, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek, right? And that's what I was talking about, this aspect where you become a person who's able to forgive anything that occurs. Right? That's what love does. And that's what God does, actually, too. Right? So a lot of times, a lot of times, people here on earth and in the spirit world expect justice, and don't understand that the reason why they're expecting justice is because they've been hurt, and they want the other person to hurt as much as they hurt. Right? Isn't a lot of times that what justice is to us? Yeah. And and so, is that love that I want somebody else to hurt as much as I hurt? It isn't love, is it? So understand that there's, not, there's no justice, as we see it, in love. The truth is that if we look at justice from God's perspective, well, that's a different matter. Justice is always surrounding the laws of love. And you'll understand what justice really is when you start connecting to those laws of love that God has. And, but at the moment, our earthly concepts of justice are actually, in most cases, only a desire to punish. You're saying you know that you you can still love someone who harms you, but in terms of like I can understand that in terms of anybody, but I probably wouldn't want to have a relationship with somebody who treated me really badly. Like yeah, I didn't say you would want one. 
Yeah, I'm saying that if I expect the other person to do anything that mirrors my own treatment of them, I am not loving them. That's, now, that's a concept of justice. You treat me how I treat you, isn't it? Right? But if I'm expecting anything from the other person, I am now out of harmony with divine love. I'm in harmony with natural love, because that's what natural love would do. But I'm out of harmony with divine love. It's not what God does. Well, the question becomes, like, and this is something I had to work through myself a lot, right? Is that I was always thinking, yeah, you know, justice, 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 and having lots of emotions about that, of course, because every time someone treats me unjustly, you know, I'd go through an emotion. And in the end, that's what I realised I needed to do, was if I'm feeling feelings of injustice, it's because I'm expecting something from them in my relationship with them. And as soon as I'm expecting from something from someone outside of myself, I'm now in a state where I'm not loving them. But I'm not saying you'd have to be with them. Like, of course the law of attraction would probably mean that you couldn't be with them. And that's okay, but you wouldn't make that choice to avoid them. Do you, do you follow me? How many of you, like, you've had something happen in the past, you've got upset about it, and the way you've calmed down your emotion is to avoid it? How many of you have done that? Yeah? Lots of us, right? And then we tell ourselves, oh, I've dealt with that. <laughs> the truth is we haven't dealt with anything, right? What we've done is we've suppressed the core emotional thing that we needed to release. And when we do that, we're just, we're just way out of harmony with life. Right? So the key for us to understand with all of our interactions with others is if I desire, if I need something from you, and I don't get it and I feel something like anger or something like that within me or annoyance or frustration, any of those emotions, I am out of harmony with God's love. Is that even similar to it? Like my son doesn't like people having <coughs> He just doesn't like it. You know when you go in with the rallies and the old man yep. who's 93 and yep. just give us a kiss. Oh, no. How old is your son? He's five. Okay. And he He's just stands his ground and says, no. Nah. <laughs> you know who you know whose emotion he's reflecting? Yours. <coughs> no, no, yeah. There's an emotion inside of yourself about how it how it impacts upon your feelings of controlling relationships. And if you oh, well, look I at, think it's, I actually think it's fine that he doesn't kiss I know you think it's fine. He doesn't kiss. <laughs> 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 <coughs> yeah. um, I have a whole discussion about children. One thing you need to understand about children is your children are a complete reflection of your own soul injury. They are actually reflecting something back at you. How do you feel when he doesn't kiss them? I feel uncomfortable because I know they want to kiss. So what he's doing that for is to trigger your discomfort, go deeper into your discomfort and feel what it's about. Once you feel that discomfort completely and go into the emotion and release that emotion, he will no longer do that. It won't worry you. It won't worry him at all. Yeah. He, what he's doing is he's expressing boundaries that you don't feel you're allowed to express. I know as a child, I remember. I'm not saying as a child. I'm saying right now. Right now, he is expressing boundaries you right now are not honest about expressing. Of course. 
because he is a perfect reflection of, of your true emotions. Your children are you going to be your best triggers. They will reflect the emotion you're unwilling to deal with. Every emotion you're unwilling to deal with, they will act out. Do you follow me? Your children will act out every emotion you don't let yourself feel at the causal level. They will act it out. So if they're acting out something, like they're acting out a fight, there's a causal emotion in you that created that. This is why punishing children for their behaviour is very damaging. Because you're actually not taking responsibility for your own emotion. But there's a whole discussion on that and I don't want to answer any more questions on that because I want to get onto this whole thing. I do have a question about the children that I want to ask. Them. Oh, right. um, I'm very interested, Adrian, about the reincarnation and how um, when I was watching your video and you said that Noah, you, you and people with you, the other souls, were the first souls to reincarnate. I went, oh, no. But, so what was the emotion, firstly, that rose up? Yeah. Well, isn't it a feeling like, oh, I'm not special? Yeah. Yeah. He's saying he's special. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it's not that special. My first reaction was, oh, hang on, you're old with me. That means I could have come after reincarnated still. You know, so it was going into that whole, oh, I'm special too. Exactly. So please understand that when I'm saying that, I'm not saying that you're all not special. No. Right, that's very important to understand. Okay, go on. Have other souls come back since you and... And the 14? Yeah. Yeah, there have been others that have reincarnated uh, over the last five years or six years. So, or so. so that's the time frame? Yeah. Okay. There are now... Um, it was, it was, there was about six or seven years ago, there were, there were only four or five other souls left in this soul union state who could have reincarnated. One of them was my mother and father, and they. Um, and since then, there's there's thousands and thousands of souls that have entered that state. So every soul that enters that soul union state, which is at the top of the 22nd sphere, can reincarnate, choose to reincarnate whenever they want. They have free will. Some of them are not choosing to reincarnate because they had a complete. They feel they had a complete life on earth. Others who feel like they haven't had a complete life on earth are choosing to reincarnate. A lot of the memory-based stuff that occurs, that where we think we've had a past life, is all spirit, lots of spirit connection related. Honestly, right now, none of you, none of you, have any idea how much you are influenced by spirits. Right? Right? And, and there'll be a time in your future, once you grow more and more, you'll, you, that you'll start realising how much influence there is. And when I say influence, I mean there's spirits around you just as much as there's people around you. And just like every person around you influences you in some way, so, do every, so does every spirit around you influence you in some way. I've got a, sort of two questions. Um, what is it when you like, meet people and you know them, or you recognise them, or you hear people saying stuff, like when I watch your DVD, I thought, Oh man, I've heard all this before. Yeah. Like, so what is that? How many of you felt you've heard it all before? Yeah. Including the soul union stuff and everything. And even when I meet people, like, what is that? When you're, is it because you're looking at yourself and recognising a part of yourself? Or, like, no. A spirit, I don't know. Every night you're asleep, right? Yeah. For about eight hours. Yeah. You don't stop doing anything. You just keep doing things. And every one of you have met 
me usually in this in the sleep state as well, in groups like this as well, where you've learned things. And a lot of you, for a lot of you, this material resonates with you so strongly for two reasons. One is that you've already heard it before. And you've heard it in your sleep state. Right? The second one is that you have spirits with you who are influencing you to take notice of it. And that they're resonating with you. And you sometimes some of you feel that resonance. Don't you? Where you feel emotionally overwhelmed by something coming from outside of you, where you feel that it's a confirmation of what you're hearing. Now, both of those things are to help. God created all of that to help you learn things. This spirit interaction happens throughout your existence. And in fact, you are a spirit when you're asleep. So, every one of you, and I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you have a medium friend on the opposite side of the world, Ask them to channel you while you are asleep. Because you can do that. <coughs> Did you know that? Every one of you could channel via a medium if, if you're asleep. So a, a medium can speak with you in your sleep state if you're asleep. And you, you will tell yourself things that you don't know while you're awake. So you can film it and then watch it the next day. You could do anything you want. <laughs> there's, there's so many experiments that you can try, right? There's so many really, really practical experiments to prove the existence of a sleep state that you could try, and that's one of them. There are so many experiments that none of us usually try because we don't think of it, right? And we're not aware that this is what's going on. But every single night you are asleep. You are in a state where you are learning still and experiencing things still. And you can talk to people on Earth still. You know... I just, this is an interesting question I ask some audiences. How many of you as a wife or have been married and you woke up one morning and knew that the partner had cheated on you? Yeah. Have any of you experienced that? Yeah. Right? yeah, a few of you? Yeah. Now, how did you know? The answer is, you saw him do it. <laughs> you saw him do it. <laughs> Now, see, this is, this is where the truth... See, we think we're covering over things all the time, right? But in reality, we're not covering over anything, right? Every, every, every experience that we have, we are able to... And somebody else is able to see, right? And I'm not saying to change what you're doing because of that, because in the end, it has to be coming from you, right? But understand that you... Like, this is why sometimes you wake up with a knowing. Because when you were asleep, you were observing something. Right? And you wake up with a knowing because of that observation. And so don't think that when you're asleep everything's turned off. The only thing that's turned off is your physical forms having a rest. Your soul, which is the real you, is still with this spirit form and you are assimilating things from the spirit world in that state. Is Every that single why, time. Is that why you feel exhausted sometimes with that cast of thousands? Of yes, sometimes you wake up with a terrible feeling of exhaustion. A lot of times that kind of feeling is where you, you might have been helping people in a lower state and, you, you know, and they were in a bad state projecting emotion at you that was triggering you. A lot of times you might have been crying in your sleep state. How many of you have woken up crying? Oh. The majority of us at some point, right? So why is that? Because there was something being triggered in our sleep state which we found to be a very grieving experience, and we're just waking up in that state, in that connection. Understand that eventually you will remember all this. 
And there's a lovely book, um, it's on the, the, the CDs that I just passed out, Robert James Lees, um, called Through the Mists. Really worth reading if you haven't read it, because it, and I've said, said it before, but read it, you know, because he actually passed, and when he met his mother, which was right at the end of the book, and into the second book, called The Life of Elysian, he realised that he'd never left her. She died at his birth, and yet he, she, he knew his name and every sleep experience he had had with her. He remembered. Right? And once we start understanding that this is a seamless existence, then we can start having a lot more confidence in what's going on and, our, and God loving us right? as well. Yeah. Second part of the question. Second part of the question. <laughs> I'm going to have to stop the questions. This is about One. the uh, cause and effect. Yeah. Because um, I've had many emotions, well, two main emotions during the week. Yeah. And, um, and then I tried to push something away that would have allowed me to have dealt with it, but it came in my face. Yeah. So in my truth, I spoke my truth, and then that emotion went. Yeah. But then it was a very similar emotion that came back, and so here I'm thinking, oh, I've dealt with the cause. But, like, how do I know if I've dealt with an effect or the cause? Well, the law of attraction is telling you you haven't. Because it comes back. Yeah. As soon, as, soon as the law of attraction brings a similar event back in your life that triggers a similar emotion, you know that you haven't dealt with the emotion. So, is he a lot? Actually, you bypass all the effects and go straight into the cause and deal with it and like just get rid of it. Well, that, that is because you're worried about what the law of attraction is going to bring you next, right? <laughs> you're worried about getting slapped around a bit in this law of attraction process. But um, the truth is that. Um, Every time you deal with a cause right to the end, then no longer will you attract the same thing. So that's the first thing to remember. Secondly, how then do I go in and deal with causes rather than having to get triggered all the time? Well, you're going to have to be very honest with yourself. And to be honest with you, not many people are that honest with themselves. Right? And that's why we need the law of attraction to pull these things into line for us. That's why God created that law, in fact. So the more I can be in my truth about... If you stay in truth emotionally, and this is one of the of things we talk about too, regardless of that, I'll get to the cause quicker. you'll get to the cause much quicker. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Truth is your pathway into your emotion. Does everyone understand that? Yeah. Truth yeah. is your pathway into your emotion. And I mean you being in total, complete truth. Uh, and it's very challenging at times because no one around you wants it. And half the time, you don't either. <laughs> right? A lot of times we don't want to face... Like, how many of us sit down and say, actually, I feel very dissatisfied with the relationship I'm in? How many of us do that in a day? We will go weeks and sometimes months and sometimes, like I've gone years, in a very dissatisfying relationships, not looking at the cause of emotion. So truth is your pathway home, always. Yeah. The more prepared you're willing, to, the more prepared you are, and willing you are, and desirous you are, of being in truth, the faster your emotions will appear. You try setting your intention one day. We'll talk about intention a bit today. You try setting your intention. I'm going to just face all truth. I guarantee, if you set that intention from your soul, the next day you will start getting truths that you are just going, whoa. <laughs> and it'll be about your life. It'll be very confronting things in your life. Now, one, one lady who was travelling with me, she wanted to know the truth about everything that was going on in her relationship. 
and bang, she got just hammered with all of these times her partner had cheated on her and all this. They all just came to her all over the next few days. Right? Because she set that intention. Up until then, for the 11 years, she didn't want to know. Why didn't she want to know? Because she didn't want to deal with the emotion that it would trigger in her. That's why we don't want to know. How many of you want to remain in ignorance? Not many of you, that's really good. Right? Because if you try to remain in ignorance, there are laws you're breaking that are harming your soul if you try to remain in ignorance. Was that intuitively or was she actually sat down by her partner and told her? Her partner told her things, other people in her life told her things <coughs> that her partner wasn't telling her. There was just things like emails that came to her by mistake. All sorts of things happened. <laughs> Not by mistake, she had set her intention fully at the soul level and all of a sudden she, she was in this space now where she was willing to face all the truth. Oh, it's totally freeing, but scary at the same time because what is she going to have to do with all of this? Process it emotionally, right? Now I've got to stop the questions because I, I need to get started on our discussion today. Many of, many of the things in our discussion today will answer many of your questions. Because a lot of the questions that you are asking are all related to the human soul. What is my soul? How can I access the power of my own soul? That's the stuff that a lot of this is about, right? What is my soul capable of doing? Well, these are all kinds of questions that if we can understand the soul, then we understand what's really going on. Now, from a, from a you know, perspective of what the soul is, remember I've said that um, that God created our soul. Remember our soul, of which you are one half. So you are not a complete soul. You are one half of the soul right now in this form. Right? So God completed the, created the complete soul. The complete soul is different to the discussion of the two halves. Do you understand? You at the moment, many of you believe yourself to be an individual, yes? But you're not. You are one half of an individual. And sometime down the track, you will come to feel that emotionally. And you, at some point down the track, you will feel that so strongly emotionally that the two of you, whoever the other half is, will combine. And you will become that one soul again. Yes, totally. God created all of these things I'm talking about to be done now, not later. And we will, and people are. And no one is right now, no. But there are people. Sorry? How do you morph into one person? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. See, see, this gets to what is the soul? What is this? What is this thing? That is not a person. What we see as a person is a half of one of those. Right? There's a lot of confusion about this. So are you saying that we can, we've got the possibility or the, the to come together in this lifetime with the other half of our soul? We're yep. not talking soulmate, twin flame, we're talking the essence of ourselves. Is that what you're saying? Now, the word soulmate and the word twin flame are all just talking about exactly the same thing. And that is the fact that God...
that's the heart of this. But only when you have the power to do so. And all of us are just growing in this power, right? So eventually you'll get to the stage in your own life where you'll no longer see yourself as this, and rather you'll see yourself as this, and, and as half of that will combine, and you will actually, in your own life sometime in the future, be able to manifest an expression of yourself through lots of different entities, through lots of different what appear to be entities. And you'll be able to do that in the future. This is your soul's capacity for growth. Now, at the moment, you can't do that, right? But you will be able to do that. If you grow in divine love, you will be able to do those things. And then the, you're saying the complete soul can then manifest in that way? Yep. The complete soul, not the two halves. Yeah, yeah. The complete soul can manifest in this way that you can have multiple bodies. You can have, you can have th hundreds of thousands of emotional conversations at the same time. And feel every one of them. And you have to have met your soulmate firstly. You have to have gone through this process of growth, yeah, which is growth in divine love. And we'll talk about what the soul's process is as a part of this discussion. But you have to go through that process to get to that capacity. But you can get to that. Every single one of you has been created with the potential of that capacity. It's just a matter of you coming to understand divine truth in the end. You follow me? Not your truth, but God's truth. It's only understanding that. So this soul is an entity in its own right of which you are one half. When I say you, I'm not talking about your body and I'm not talking about your spirit body. This body, this body that you have and the spirit body you have are appendages or attributes of your soul, of your half of the soul. Remember, I've said that the two bodies are connected to these two halves of the soul, right? So here's our spirit body, here's our physical body. Right? And there's a connection point between them. Right? And this is the soul. Right? This is the real you. This bit. We want to know what that bit is, right? We don't want to worry about these bits anymore. You know, you know how, how many of you worry about what you're going to eat today because it's got to be healthy and you've got to take the right vitamins? And all that. You don't want to have to worry about all that, surely. You want it just to happen all nice and seamlessly, don't you? Yeah. 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 Well, when you connect with this bit of you, everything will happen all nice and seamlessly. It will just run perfectly, right? It's because we're not connecting to that bit that we're thinking we're these bits. And there are many spirits who are here today in this room who are thinking that they are their spirit body. They call that the soul. They actually think that that is their soul. But they don't understand that's not their soul either. Their soul they can't actually see. And what I'm, what, you know, all of these truths that God gives you, you will come to see your soul, not with these eyes, because these eyes are just the physical body's eyes, right? But you will see your soul through your expression of your soul, which is through your emotions and your passions and your desires and your longings and your intentions. That's how you'll see your soul. So it is within us. It's not something outside of us. Uh, it actually is encompasses you. Um, so you can think of it like this. It, I've drawn it like that, right? But the truth is, here is your physical body, right? here is your spirit body on top of it, right? and your soul is actually surrounding those things. Right? That's how it is conceptually, if you can think of it conceptually. And the soul, this thing, this round thing, is the real you. 
And these bodies are just appendages, like your arm is an appendage of your body, this body is an appendage of your soul. It's like an etheric body. And yeah, well the etheric body is the spirit body, and the physical body is just a, an, of different energy form, denser energy, but they are all just a part of the emanation or the creation of your soul. When I say the creation of your soul, obviously it's another person's two souls that get together, the two halves get together, through the sex act create the two bodies, but the soul itself is God's creation. So this, this part of you is the real you, this bit. That's the real you. And as an extension of that, you need to understand that really, that is the real you, of which that is a half. You follow me? Or one whole person. I know. How many of you don't want there to be another half? Honest, be honest. A lot of people don't want there to be another half. <laughs> Sorry? There's also a hope that you that there is another heart. Well why in the why on the earth do you enter a relationship for? Because there's a soul longing inside of you to connect with another sex. There's a soul longing inside of you to connect with another heart. There is. It's inbuilt inside of you. So do you have to feel that The truth is, if you're feeling complete, then there's, a, there's an emotion in you that you're yet to release. So you can actually be complete as a half of a soul in terms of the feeling complete. And usually that is when you have the best relationship with your soul mate. If, if they also are wanting to feel complete as well. So it's not about complete, completing the other person. This is just how God designed you. The real you is that. And what you are right now is that, which is the half of the real you. That's just the truth. How you deal with that truth, it's up to you. You can say, I don't want to know the other half of the real me. I want to stay away from him or her. I don't want, don't want some mongrel man being involved in my life. And what does that tell me? <laughs> that I've got an emotion inside of myself, right? That I need to release. Do you think you're going to be at one with God having a thought like that? Obviously not, because it comes from a feeling of hurt inside, right? So many of us feel resistant to the idea of there being one half of us out there somewhere, and only one half, because we then feel like, well, where's my choice then? It's all gone. It's this that's been given the choice. It's this that's been given the choice. Remember I said the soul has free will. That is the soul, not you. You're a half of one. It's the two of you together that creates the full one that has the free will. That's another physical being. Has well, at the happen? moment for yourself, yeah. But it doesn't have to be a physical being. So for all the spirits in the room, there's, uh, there are actually, many of them have passed hundreds of years ago, and they would have another spirit who's actually their soulmate half. Yeah. And yes, there is sex in the spirit world too. There is. Yeah. <laughs>
why I answered your question hours. before you asked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be smart arts. <laughs> <laughs> I like being a smart arts sometimes. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the they, they are, they do. The truth yeah. is that sex, the, the, the sexual expression is an expression of the soul. It's not an expression of the bodies. Mm -hmm. right? It is an expression of the soul. Right? So the soul has been created to have sexual relations. Right? That's what this whole soulmate thing is all about. It's about sex, really, in the end. <laughs> so the spirits to have sex, this is getting a bit involved, <coughs> is it through um, an, um, an energy experience mm -hmm. more than what you would call a physical experience? Yes, but to them, like energy and physical are the same thing. So energetically, I mean, if you want to create an orgasm or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you could do that on a... Do, do spirits... Is that how they work? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I've had sex with a ghost, so to speak, yeah. you know? Yeah. And physically felt it. Yeah. Everything. It was just like it was a real experience. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't because there was... Yeah. yeah. And it was a really... It was quite a bizarre experience to go through and it actually brought up a bit of guilt because I'm thinking... Oh my God! You know what kind of person am I? Mm -hmm. Attracting what I thought was a bad spirit in order to have sex to have sex with me. Well, it may have been too, by the way. Well, there are many spirits in the spirit world who would like to have sex with people on earth still. So when you know when you're working with with the spirits, I mean I'm a medium, okay. I've let that go because I just wasn't quite sure what I was attracting to myself. Mm -hmm. So in that case where I was attracting a sexual spirit partner, does that mean that then, um, and maybe it was not of the purest of kind, does that then reflect on me and saying that was a state that I was in at that time? Remember, everything happens through the law of attraction, right? So, so what was the emotion that you felt after the experience? Wasn't it one of guilt? Oh, well, oh, well the feather trick was pretty good. <laughs> so-called spiritual journey yeah. where I was just starting to learn about things like this yeah. in this lifetime yeah. the, the I suppose the guilt I was feeling was coming from other people saying well you must be in a dark place to be bringing in a spirit and so basically then I went into the poor me saying, well what am I doing I must be a dark person attracting and so because I was very raw and very new and very gullible mm -hmm. and very trusting of what people were telling me, mm -hmm. I think probably I felt, well, you can, you'll probably say no, it's something that's been brought up in me, that's a, re, uh, a memory. But for me at that time I thought, oh, oh I'm dealing with the dark spirits because I didn't know any different. And that's, that's what I felt was. Well, do, you, do you mind if I tell you the truth? You can about tell me the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I'm sure you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> so help me God. <laughs> I'm a divine spark of God. Give it to me. <laughs> the truth is that a spirit who would want to have sex with a person on earth without them knowing what's going on is not going to be in very good shape emotionally. Mm. So, so the emotional condition of the spirit in that state is not going to be that good. There are many spirits who desire to have sex with people on earth because they're not having sexual experiences in the spirit world, because they don't think they're able to. Or they're in a state where there are the majority of the same sex with them because of the injuries. 
and so they, they can't interrelate with anyone of the opposite sex. So um, many spirits look for people on earth in, to have sexual relationships with as a result of that. And if a person is open to that emotionally, then of course you can encourage that sexual relationship. What it triggered inside of you were not emotions relating to sex actually. They were relating to guilt and shame and other, other issues that were being triggered inside of you that you didn't allow yourself to experience at the time. So at the time the feeling was like you were feeling great about the sexual activity, but there was also some other feelings associated with it that you buried. And if you allow yourself to go back to that experience, you'll remember those other feelings. And they're the feelings that the law of attraction is triggering in you to, to release. The key is to understand that no spirit who's in a good condition will want to do something to you that you're not conscious of what they're doing. You follow me? Just like you wouldn't want to do something with someone else if they weren't conscious of what That's you were doing, right? That's what love would be, right? It'll be a first fear spirit who's, who's probably missed out on some sexual experiences and so, you know, they're wanting to act out some of those sexual experiences on earth. And, and now, I'm not judging them or yourself, right? Because, because the law of attraction brought you the experience to trigger the emotion that you at the time actually shut down. And the key is to go back to that event now and let yourself open up that emotion. You follow me? Because that's what the law of attraction is bringing. Now, in the end, this spirit might even be a soulmate who's passed and they feel really attracted to you. Like, it could be that. But in the end, they are still in a bad condition if they've done it without you knowing what's going on or without you being aware of what's going on. So it doesn't really matter who they are. What matters is that I deal with the emotion that I need to work through about that, right? And you'll find in your case it will be related to some childhood experiences. Things that you don't want to face there. <coughs> but the reason why I answered your question about yes, there is sex in the spirit world is because in the end, this union is a sexual union. <coughs> right? And, like, it, let, be honest, isn't sex one of the best things you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, do you think that somehow that's all just going to disappear as soon as you pass? <coughs> Honestly. Why would you think that? It's because. Everyone's told you that sex isn't holy, and sex isn't spiritual, and sex isn't this, and sex isn't that, right? Sex is all lustful and dirty and all those kind of things, right? And because of that, you believe that, and so you believe that all these spiritual things can't, you know, it doesn't work that way. Sex is inbuilt inside of your soul. This whole union is a sexual union. So where did the androgynous ones come from? The androgynous ones? There are no androgynous ones. No, <coughs> they actually feel they're androgynous because they do not want to cope with their own emotions that cause them to want to feel that way. So all of you at the moment, there are some of you here at the moment who don't want to have sex <laughs> in the sense that you, don't, you feel that the sexual expression is not something that you're attracted to. And my, my, I need to say to you that if that's the case, there are some very fundamental injuries, emotional injuries, inside of you. Now, if you passed into the spirit world, you would not want to have sexual experiences there either. And you may eventually call yourself an androgynous one. Right? 
But just because I call myself something, it doesn't mean from God's perspective that that's what I am. Right? God created all human souls in this form. And the split happens for all. All people who are incarnated go through that split. So every single one of you have a soulmate, and you've got no choice about it. You make babies in the world? No. God if I'm longing to find my soulmates and have developed characteristics about myself, does that then mean that my soulmate heart will be longing to find their soulmate and have developed particular characteristics that will match? Or is it about the soul, the journey? Is it about... Well, there's no or. There's no or. It's probably an and for a start. Yes, it is about the journey, and it is about the fact that the soulmate halves finish up attracting themselves to each other. Right. So um, there's a lot of I would want to say about soulmates, but I want to do a whole discussion on soulmates. Is that all right? Yeah. Because because many people have lots of questions about soulmates, and and there are so many things about soulmates that are misconceptions. Uh, one of them being that you meet each other and all of a sudden. Everything's fine, and that's often a misconception. Um, but the, there are other ones as well, like misconceptions about what a soulmate really is, that you can have many soulmates and all these kind of things. And I, w I would like to answer all of them specifically as a separate discussion if I can. Is that be right? Today? <laughs> October. How much, how much do I have to give? Because I'm <laughs> No, not today. It'll be another time. I know a lot of you are interested in the subject, but to be honest with you, until you're connecting completely emotionally, it is really pointless you being interested in that subject. And the reason why is because your soulmate is going to trigger you emotionally so much that if you meet them and you're not willing to deal with your emotions, you are going to want to run away from them. Right? And what's the point of you being introduced and then running away from each other? Right? You may as well get yourself firstly in a state of humility where you can actually feel all of your own emotions, right? And once you're in that state, then you're ready to meet this other person who's going to trigger you full on no matter what state they're in. Right? So let yourself go through that process, right? Let yourself uh, understand that. So when we talk about the soulmate issue, I really, you know, really want to do that because it's a, it's a very fascinating subject for me as well. And, and there's lots and lots of lot, lots of things I'd like to say about about soulmates and, and ways to you know work through these emotions with your soulmate and so forth. But it's important, firstly, that you understand your half. In fact, yeah. understand yourself, what you actually are, what part of you is your soul. Right? Get that moving along, progressing, growing spiritually. Right. Once all that happens you will automatically attract your soulmate into your life and when you do, you're going to wish that you had it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, because for many of you, it is going to open up some huge injuries inside about masculinity or femininity and you'll need to work through some very big emotions when you meet your soulmate. There's a part of your soul, you can see that at the moment, this half of the soul is connected to this body and is connected to this body, right? But it doesn't feel a strong connection to the other half of itself. There is a connection between the two halves all the time, by the way. 
But it doesn't feel that connection very strongly, firstly because of a lack of awareness, but also because of emotional injuries that exist in the two halves that make them oppose each other. You follow me? So it's like having two Norths of a magnet being shoved together. What happens? They just get pushed apart. When we have incompatible emotional injuries, that's what happens. We, we push apart relationship doing that. Compatible emotional injuries cause us to draw together, like a north and a south of the magnet, right? Incompatible emotional injuries cause us to separate. Now, why not firstly focus on getting yourself to the point where you no longer have any incompatible injuries with your soulmate? See, once you do that, no matter what your soulmate chooses to do, no matter how they choose to experience whatever's going on within themselves, you'll be able to work through your own emotions. You've got the truth in you. You'll be able to work through your own emotions. And they will be drawn to you, and they won't even better help themselves. All right? Yeah, will you want to be with them? Of course. But would it be a need? Would it be a desire or would it be a need? It'll be a desire but not a need. Can you understand that? As soon as you have a need for your soulmate, how many feel you need your soulmate? If you need your soulmate, hardly any of you have been honest with that question. <laughs> Where's the honesty going? How many of you need, feel like you need a soulmate, like you need to know who your soulmate is? Or just someone? You need to know. Yeah, just someone. You need. Still not being honest with them. But what happens is that. Sorry? I desire to know, but I don't need. Yeah. And at the moment, actually, the truth is that you don't want to know who your soulmate is. And the, and the reason why for yourself is that there's some emotional injuries about men that, that are unhealed. And yes, so what's that? <coughs> yeah. And so when you think about, you think, just all of you ladies for a man at the moment. And I'm, I'm picking on ladies here because, because there will, well, the majority, you know, there's probably two thirds of the ladies, but but also because one injury that's a multi generational injury for women is the issue of vulnerability. Most of you will recognise that in yourself. Vulnerability towards the male, the male dominating you. Right? How many of you ladies feel like you're sick and tired of men dominating you? It's right? quite a lot, right? Now, now, that emotion is an injury towards the masculine. It actually is also an injury towards God, because God's also got masculine qualities. How many of you men feel that women dominate you? Some. How many of you men feel like you can dominate a woman? No one being honest there, right? Okay. So, so they are injuries, right, that we have towards the masculine and feminine. Every injury that we have towards the masculine and feminine causes a repulsion of our soulmate. You understand? It pushes our soulmate away. Right? And, and the only way that we're going to attract our soulmate is by working through those injuries. When we work through our injuries, our soulmate will be attracted to us. So if we're in a relationship right now, we're in a relationship to work through those injuries. You follow me? The law of attraction is working perfectly. You're in a relationship right now so that you can work through these injuries. And you might find out the relationship you have right now is with your soulmate. But you won't know until that part of your soul opens up. Right? Now, if I'm a woman and I have a deep anger towards men 
about men controlling and being vulnerable to men, do you think the soulmate part of my soul is going to open up while that emotion no, is within no. It's not, is it? If I'm a man and I feel like I can dominate a woman, do you think the soulmate part of my soul is going to open up? No. no. If I'm a man and, you think, and I think that a woman can dominate me, or I feel like I'm to blame for all the things that men have done that are bastards in the world, and I feel that in my soul, do you think that injury is going to allow me to open up towards my soulmate? No. So can you see how much of our injuries are related to these masculine and feminine things? And that causes a repulsion of the two halves. So, we're this complete soul, and I'm half of that, and that split at incarnation. Now, I've been through in the introductory material what happens, what the condition of this soul is before incarnation, in that I say that it doesn't have any idea who it is. It doesn't have free will, because how can you have free will when you don't even know who you are? You don't know how you can exercise free will. All it knows is to incarnate. It has these instinctual attributes, just like a... bird in a nest, right? That at some point in the future is going to fly. And what happens is that when it incarnates, now from that moment, it's now got individualization. It's now conscious of itself. You became conscious of yourself the instant you were conceived. And from that moment on emotionally, you began absorbing emotion. You began absorbing experience from the world around you. Now, many of those experiences in this world, this dreamlike world that we have around us, are very, very emotionally damaging, aren't they? And you absorb them. And I absorb them. Exactly the same. We're all under the same laws. Yeah. So when a baby's born with defects, are they related to the parent's emotional state? And its grandparents and its great-grandparents and like all of the emotional states historically get passed down generation, 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 generation into what's going on. The key is to not blame yourself as a parent. The key is to go into the emotion every single time. There's something going on inside of me emotionally. What's, what's this triggered inside of me? Access that emotion. And actually, when you access that emotion to the appointment of wonderment with God, you'll be just about to heal your child anyway. Right? So, in the end, deal with the emotion that's coming up. It always gets back to that. Right? Does it then affect the generations? If you have an understanding of the generational issue that's passed down, which we do in our family, mm -hmm. several, mm -hmm. um, and I'm having this intention, you know, to set myself free, does that then go backwards too? Certainly. As well as what happens is that let's say, let's say my dad, like, abused me violently as a child. And let's say my dad's passed now. So I'm now maybe in my 60s myself and my dad abused me violently as a child. Obviously I'm going to have lots of emotions to work through about my dad. And most of the time I haven't because I don't work on these things a lot of the times all through my life. But let's say I decide to get on the divine path and I really want to work through these emotions. So I decide to work through them. As I work through them and I'm feeling about my dad, I will actually attract my dad in the spirit world to me. And he will have emotional responses to everything that I work through. 
and it will be triggering him as I'm working through those emotions. <coughs> you follow me? And this can also occur in the, like in the real world, like when I say real world, our, our physical world. Like right now, you can choose to deal with these emotions without your parents if you want. But all that does is does half of the equation, really. My suggestion is to deal with it. Like, if you're going to write a letter and not send it, that might sound well and good in terms of a healing point of view and trying to keep you safe. But in the end, it's not probably going to heal the underlying emotion. Send it. See what it does then. Speak the truth, send it. The less damaged you are, someone sexually and emotionally, or say, and that you are compatible, in other words, attracted to someone sexually who is emotionally incompatible with, that would largely relate to your emotional condition at that time. Totally. Or your injuries. Yeah. Remember, I think I mentioned in a previous group that the second chakra has a lot to do with all of your sexual attractions. The sexual chakra also has a lot to do with self-identity and unworthiness feelings. If you look at all the books and everything, that you can read all of these things quite easily. Now, you imagine that you have this injury inside of yourself. Let's say I'm a male and a in my case, have this injury with, with women that I'm unworthy of their attention. Right? So let's say I've got that injury. And there's a woman who comes along who, who feels dominant over men. And she's got that injury about herself in her second chakra. What's going to happen is our two second chakra points, if you like, in our spirit forms, are going to be very compatible, right? So there'll be a huge flow of energy. And a huge flow of energy will activate our sexual desire. So we'll feel very, very sexually attracted to that person, but we're both actually in a state of emotional injury. Mm. Now, when we release that emotional injury, we may not find that we're actually sexually attracted to that kind of person anymore. Mm. The soulmate relationship's not like that. So, you know, when we talk about soulmate relationship, we'll talk about something different. Mm. But the sexual attraction that occurs on between two parties are usually to do with different emotional injuries affecting different parts of us. And, uh, and they all come from our soul. All of these emotional injuries come from that part of us affecting these bodies. Right? So a man only gets an erection when he's either got some kind of sexual flow of energy going on, and usually that is because of some kind of either compatible emotional injury or there's a pure condition going on. Right? So, like... Like I've found that after dealing with a lot of those injuries, I didn't have any sexual attraction to anyone until I met the soulmate. So I just could not even contemplate a sexual relationship with anyone until I met the soulmate. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I didn't even feel like one. And my libido isn't. Sorry? No, the feeling. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with my libido. <laughs> it's got everything to do with what's going on inside of you emotionally, what kind of compatible injuries you have. So this is all part of this connection between the two soul halves, right? Remember that this is all feeling-based. Remember that? Passion, desire, emotion, feelings, intentions, aspirations, longings, memories, free will. All of those things are in your soul, that is the real you. Your personality is the real you. Not your body, not your spirit body. So, when, um, like if there's a sexual attraction, rather than hopping in the bed, you should go and meditate. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm not 
Or you can hop in a bed and see what brings comes up. <laughs> no, um, no, my suggestion is if there is a sexual attraction, you have two options, obviously. You have an option to enter into a relationship with the person, or you have an option to not, right? Now, most of the time, we have the habit of entering into the sexual relationship because of the strong draw that a sexual relationship brings. And then we regret our decision afterwards because we realise that there's a lot of other things at play that we weren't that happy with. Now, if that's been our pattern in our life, then we need to seriously look at how our sexual attractions are created. And so, my, every sexual attraction you feel is an opportunity for you to heal, un, like heal emotions within you. Now, you can enter the relationship if you wish, and then go through the pain of the withdrawal of the relationship if you wish. That is your call. God's not going to stop you from doing that. You have free will. There are results from every choice you make. So some of that result will be pain, because you've entered a relationship not based on pure love, but because of other desires or other injuries. Does that make sense? And when you do that, of course there's going to be pain associated with that down the track at some point. So my suggestion is, if you feel a sexual attraction for somebody, allow yourself to look deeper at what's in it. Now, there are some very good books that can help you do that. Um, but, but in the end, you're going to need to feel the underlying emotion that creates the attraction. And often, we're not willing to do that because we're so drawn by this sexual attraction that we're not willing to actually now go into it emotionally and experience what emotion is driving us in this sexual attraction. So a lot of times, like I said, it will be a compatible injury with that person, right? And it's to do with our sense of self or our sense of masculinity or femininity that usually drives those kind of injuries. And they are all related to the interactions we had with our parents, right? So how many of you have felt you've just attracted your father? Just in a different body. I know that sounds really bad, right? But how, a lot of times you notice that. Or you've attracted the opposite of your father. How many of you have done that? Well, it's the same emotional injury, you see? Well, what about your mother if you're a male? It's the same kind of thing. The reason why we do that is because we're unwilling to look at the healing of what's going on. But there's a lot of sexual healing. <laughs> and it needs to go on. And it... He's sick. <laughs> I'm sick, you're right. <laughs> Can I just ask a question here on this sex thing again? Have I answered your question properly, though? Yeah? So you understand what's going on? Oh, so my recommendation would be look sincerely at the emotions that are going on inside of you before you jump in the bed with the person. If you jump in the bed with the person, there's a high likelihood that at a later time in the relationship you're going to go through emotional pain once you realise the truth. You can avoid all that pain if you deal with the emotions now. Look at everything as an opportunity to help you deal with the emotion that's driven the attraction. But if you're a male and you jump into bed female, this is true, we can't thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're attracted to a woman and you're really attracted to her and it's happened to me, I just can't thank you. I go, I go on all the stuff I've decided in the past, this wish list, and you can't even remember it. <laughs> And that's just a lovely excuse. <laughs> and I say it too. Right? It is a, it, honestly, that is just an excuse, though, it is. Because there is an emotion driving everything that's going on inside of you. And, and so we can justify our own behaviour if you want. Like, um, who, 
I've sent out, and I don't know if any of you have actually received it because it's something I did a couple of years ago, but there was a channeling I did where I talked, and it was tape recorded and then, and then transcribed, where I talked to a man who called himself a manly man. He's in the spirit world. Many, some of you have got that, yeah? And I'd be happy to send it out if, uh, if for those of you want to read it. What happened was he was in the first sphere of the spirit world with exactly that, with exactly those feelings. But I'm a man. Like, I've just got to have what I've got to have, right? And he was having relationships with women after women, but not looking at the deep emotional injuries he had within himself. It's not a decision thing, you just can't think. I'm no, but that, I'm a man, I can't think. See, now you're not taking responsibility for your emotions. You can. And it's not about thinking, it's about feeling. You follow me? There is something you're avoiding in your feelings. Right? The truth is, in the end, like you will find that once you get into a pure state emotionally, you will only have an attraction for one other person. And that will be your soulmate. That's what will happen in the end. Right? And you won't be able to feel any other attraction. Right? And the reason why we feel all the other attractions is because there are certain emotions that we need to work through. Always look at that. So, AJ, if you're aware of a, an emotional injury mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you're not being able to come through it, am I right saying that the only way you're really going to fully come through it is with God? And yes, but but also realise that God has given you three tools. Really. The first tool is your desire for truth. Right? So that's why I said to seek first the kingdom. Seek first, sorry, the, the truth will set you free. It's the truth that actually creates freedom in the end. So seek the truth. Seek to understand the truth. Set your intention for truth. The second thing that God gave you is prayer. Prayer for love, for, for divine love. Right? Prayer is not like these things where you sit down. You know, it, it is, prayer is a longing inside, a passionate longing inside of your soul for God's love to enter you. That's prayer. The third thing is God gave you the gift of humility. And you can choose to use it if you want. And what I mean by humility is the desire to experience every single emotion within you, whether it's painful or pleasurable. Right? Now, if you have those, just those three things, every single thing in your life, and it's that simple, every single thing in your life will be exposed. Every single thing. And you'll be able to heal it. Right? Now, a child can understand those three things. And that's why I said you need to become as a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? So, and, um, um, this might sound a bit cliche, but I don't really understand how you actually pray. And if you understand the soul, <coughs> then you understand the soul is your emotional part of you. So you pray with your emotions. You direct your emotions towards God. That's how you pray. So you can talk if you want with that, but it's to do with the emotions that are inside of you. That is what you need to direct to God. So how are you feeling right now? Like, what's the emotion you're feeling right now? Do you know? Confronted. Okay, so I'm being confronted. So let's. So if I was talking to God about that emotion, what would I say that would connect <coughs> you with this feeling of confrontation? Okay, so talk to God about that and let yourself feel the unworthiness while you're talking to God about that. And you'll find what will happen is some emotions will come up as a result. 
And that is your prayer. Your prayer is your desire. Do you follow me? So, so if my desire at the moment is this feeling of unworthiness, that's a, that is a feeling that I have within me, if I project, project that towards God, I just allow myself to feel that and be honest with that, with God, then that's a prayer. And God responds to those prayers every single time. There's never a time. By loving you. Uh, not just by loving you, no. Obviously, everything is an expression of love, but God responds by also trying to help you through the law of attraction and through all of these other attractions and different things around you and spirits and everything. Try to help you come to understand that you need to firstly draw that emotion out of you and secondly, this truth needs to pour into you. And God constructs everything in such a way that you learn that lesson in the end as long as you're open and willing to experience all of your pain. Yeah? So the key is with all prayer is just to focus on the emotion. It's the emotion that is the connection with God. Yeah. Because remember, the soul is the emotional, passionate, desirous part of you. It's not, it's, it's not the intellect. Right? Now you can utilize your intellect just like you can utilize your arm. Right? It's a tool that your soul has been given to help it along its way. <laughs> But when your intellect becomes dominant, that's when everything shuts down. So it's no good sitting down with rosary beads, and I'm not, kind of, not here criticising a Catholic, I'm just saying, it's no good sitting down with rosary beads and counting out how Mary mothers of God when there's no emotion. Yeah. Sit down and do that if you want to, but put some emotion in it. Yeah. Do you follow me? Yeah. Why are you saying these things to God? What's the feeling that's inside of you? That's what you need to connect to. When you have the feeling, it doesn't matter what tool I use, I can have a rosary bead or I can have, you know, I can sit down in front and bow towards the sun or towards Mecca. I can do anything I want as long as I connect with the emotion. Right? If I'm not connected with the emotion, I'm not connected with my own soul and I'm not connecting with God. And it's not a prayer anymore. All it is is just some outward demonstration of my so-called faith, which I obviously don't have because I yet, am yet to have an emotional experience with God. You follow me? Yeah. So let yourself connect emotionally with God. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's prayer. So let yourself do that. That's the feeling you're feeling right now, the unworthiness. Now connect with God about that feeling. You know, be honest about how that feels to God. Feel it. And a needy prayer is usually about an avoidance of an emotion. A longing prayer will never avoid an emotion. Now, let me give you some examples of that. Let's say I have a feeling of unworthiness in, in front of me right now. I have the feeling of unworthiness. But what's actually happening in my life is that I've got no money. Right? And I'm sick and tired of having no money, no matter how much I work. Like, I'm working my guts out all the time, maybe got two jobs, and I've still got no money. Now, my real feelings inside of my soul are that I want to have some money. Right? And I might project that to God, and I might even blame God for that. Like, I might say, you know, why is it? I try my hardest, other people don't. You know, they steal, they lie, they cheat, and I've got money, and I haven't got any money, and I'm doing, trying to do everything right. You know, we might go down that track of feeling all of those emotions, right? Now, what we're really wanting is for God to do things our way. 
Now, if you're projecting something at God where you want God to do things your way, then that's a needy projection. So how many of you have prayed for a partner, like a good partner? Most of us probably have, right? Most of that's a needy projection. You see, because, because what's happening is God's already showing you that there's an emotion you need to experience that is causing you to not attract a good partner. Do you understand? And, and you're unwilling to experience that emotion. And so you're having this prayer to God for something that you're unwilling to deal with inside of yourself emotionally. So whenever you project something at God that's needy, God can't listen to that because it's all just about effects. I'm just trying to solve my effects. right? And I'm not willing to look at the causal emotion. For God to listen to a prayer, I need to be addressing a causal emotion inside of myself or, being want, or wanting to. So what's the causal emotion with that? With wanting a partner? Yeah. It could be just a simple thing that I'm unwilling to feel loneliness. So the truth is I might be by myself being alone. I've now created this experience of being alone because I need to feel lonely. But I never let myself feel it. So what I do is I busy my life and go to this friends and that party and this thing and that mm -hmm. thing. And I'm constantly looking for a partner in my life to fulfil me because I don't want to feel lonely. All I really need to do is cry for a couple of weeks about how alone I am. <laughs> and when I do that and release that, ironically after that, all the things that I think I wanted before then will all just automatically come to me because now I really do want them. Right? See, if I've got a lonely feeling inside of myself, what I'm going to create is a lonely life. Automatically. And until this lonely feeling goes in me, that's my creation. And this is something I want to talk about even more a bit later in our discussion. The problem is that all of us don't understand too well, and this applies to the world at large, that it's the emotion that creates, it's the soul that creates everything. It's not, it's not you're physically you know, doing something or intellectually trying to do something that creates anything. It's your soul's emotion that generates all your laws of attraction. So, it's the soul's emotions that you need to feel and experience and release. When you do, your law of attraction will instantly change. Instantly, from that moment, it will be different. What forces carry out those laws? Um, God has placed... Um, it's really God's intention. And we'll talk about intention a little later. God's intention is... Uh, and really, all, of, all laws are God's intentions imposed upon his universe to control and make orderly his universe. Right. So, so what God has done is He's created all of these laws, and these laws operate on on three different levels, and we'll talk about those levels in a minute. But the the levels, the the um, laws operating on those levels cause different things or cause different effects based on our actions. So I take a certain action, or and by action I mean action at the soul level. Everything's soul. Right. If you can think of everything I'm saying to you, it's not about physical action. It's not about spirit body action. It's about your soul's action. Every action at the soul level causes a response. If the action is in harmony with the laws of God, then our soul will be drawn along this path of God's intention, which is the power of intention. If the action is in disharmony with God's laws, then we're working opposite to God's intention, which means that every single law will be correcting us and we'll be feeling pain. So all pain is a result of actually us walking away from some of God's intentions, God's laws. Are there, are there any rogue, I've got this feeling sometimes, are there any rogue forces that operate outside of laws and that live 
that exists between the physical spirit world and the soul? There are many forces, there are many people, both on earth and in the spirit world, who believe themselves to be outside of the laws of God. Yes. But none of them are actually outside of the laws of God. No. They just believe themselves to be. Right? And the problem is that every time you believe yourself to be outside of one of the laws, you're actually breaking the law. When you break a law, there's a penalty on your soul. When there's a penalty on the soul, eventually you'll feel some pain from that. So these people who are rogue, if you like, outside of the laws of God, what they're actually doing is creating more and more intensity of pain until such a point that the pain is so great that they stop doing what they're doing. And that's how it works. Um, you can always be. You can always feel other people's emotions. In fact, all of you right now are feeling each other's emotions, right? You sometimes notice in a discussion. Sometimes the emotion goes higher and higher, and everyone feels more excited, excited. And then I bring up a subject where everybody goes, "Woo!" Right? You can see the whole thing go depressed, right? That's because all of you are feeling each other's emotion, right? And interacting with each other automatically, un being unaware of it. Now, you've often seen this in a room, like you, you walk into a room and the person right over the other side of the room just captures your attention. Your attention. Why is that? There's something going on at the soul level. You walk in a room, there's no people there and there's a dog there and he starts barking at you. What's going on? He's feeling something in you that is reflecting back at you. You follow me? So these things are automatically always happening. If you have an emotional feeling about it, then there is something inside of you that is resonating with that. Right? So you notice when some of the other people here express a little bit of doubt towards me. Like, do you notice sometimes you feel some doubt because of that doubt that's just been expressed, right? And then others of you don't feel that. So what's going on there? Well, obviously there's a resonance. If somebody expresses something and you feeling the similar thing, then they're not just triggering that emotion. So, in the end, every emotion does come from within you that you're experiencing. You'll get to a point where you'll notice everyone's emotion, but because it doesn't resonate inside of you anymore, you won't feel it. All right? So, one thing that I used to do a lot is, uh, like, any woman that had any dissatisfied emotion inside of herself, aside from sexual dissatisfaction, um, I would respond to. So in other words, you know, if they were unhappy with something, I'd try and fix it for them and, and so forth, right? Because I'm sensitive to that emotion. Once I've dealt with that emotion inside of myself, I can observe them having that emotion, but not feel like I want to respond to it anymore. Right? And ironically, in some cases, I've done that, and they've now become so angry with me they can't speak with me again. <laughs> so what's that about? It's that they don't want to deal with that emotion. They didn't want to deal with the fact they wanted a man to look after them. And, and when the man wouldn't, what would they do? Just leave that relationship, whatever that relationship is. Right? So, it, so yes, you can feel everybody's emotion. Yes, if you experience it inside of yourself, if you cry along with it or whatever, then you're actually feeling your own emotional resonance with it. Now, how many of you are therapists? Just, can I just say a therapist? Right. How many of you have started crying when you're working on somebody? Yeah, quite a few, right? That is not their emotion. You are, you are resonating with their emotion. There's an emotion inside of them 
that's similar to your emotion and you're feeling your emotion. You follow me? So understand that. So their emotion is powerful. In a, it might be a grieving emotion of a certain type. They're feeling that and then you're resonating with that and that causes the emotion to bubble up inside of you as well. How many times I've heard a therapist say, oh, no, I'm crying because of you. Like, you're not crying because of them. You're crying because your emotion inside of you is resonant with them. So it's always mutual. It's always mutual, yeah. And in fact, many of us who are therapists are in that, in that mode to actually heal ourselves, to be honest. Yeah, most people, it's the case because there are mutual attractions going on. And there's a feeling that we all are capable of having, and that is one of empathy with what's going on with another person. So, you know, like we could sit next to each other and I can feel, oh, you've got this pain here or got that pain there. I can just feel a bit of a twinge there or whatever. Now, the reason why I'm feeling it with you is because of an emotion. So there's an emotion inside of you that causes you to be open to feeling it along with knowing it. So the way you're knowing it is by feeling it. You'll get to a point where you heal that emotion and you'll know they have that pain, but you won't feel it in your own body yourself. I thought it was a part of healing. I thought if you could heal them, you'd sort of taken that pain off them. No, no. No. Why would you want to take... You know, many of us do do this, by the way. We do take the pain off of another person. But why would you do that? Isn't it a feeling? Love would not, would not create pain for yourself and relieve it in another. Love doesn't do that. Does God feel all your pain? No. So, so God doesn't take your pain and feel it all herself, does she? Right? Why doesn't she do that? Because it's not loving. We need to get that, at least into our minds, right? And then eventually into here. That a lot of times what we believe is loving, is not loving. Right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering, if you feel like you have blockages towards certain emotions, um, like where you're just feeling, I'm feeling nothing, um, but you know that it's not complete, that it's just a blockage, how do we go about and last week I did two discussions in Udlo and paid to have a look at those. The first one was a discussion about fear being your friend. All blockages are created by fear, generally. So there's something that's a deep fear that's within you that you're not allowing yourself to actually recognise and experience. The second part of the equation is understanding truth, and that was the second part of the discussion last weekend. So my suggestion is to get those two uh, recordings from Peter and... And, and you'll, uh, you'll probably be able to then identify within yourself what might be the blockages to experiencing the emotion. The, truth, the true state of your soul is like a child. The child does not delay its experience of emotion. Is that? You follow that, don't you? Right. So if the child doesn't, doesn't do that, then eventually that's going to be where we are. Where we are going to be eventually is not... <coughs> stopping our emotional experience in any situation. If it's not flowing right now, it's because there's a blockage, and it's usually a fear-related blockage. So have a look at those two things, and then if you've still got some questions, Thank you. yeah, bring those up. Jay, with the prayer, it's like that, that longing for God becomes so <coughs> intense, so 
Yeah, if you're feeling pain in the longing, see, see, longing or desire does not create pain. It, it, there's not a pain, but it just feels so intense. It's, it's like life's not complete without that. Yeah, and the truth is, life isn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so feel, but feel, there are inside of yourself, if I can deal with your issues specifically, there are some emotions of unworthiness that cause you to believe that no matter how long, much you long for God, God is not going to answer you. Right? And so there's some emotions that you need to let yourself experience about that. Let yourself feel those emotions. And it's interesting, though, and I know those emotions come up for you when you're praying. Right? And that's often the way it happens, is because we feel those underlying emotions and allow them to come up. Yeah. I don't really have a reference to what God is or a desire to long for it. I feel like I have to get desperate for it. Um, <laughs> You do have to get desperate for it. <laughs> in a way, like, God, God created this quality called passion, right? Like, it's not the olden day version of passion, which was usually pain. I'm talking about this really strong, passionate desire within us. Now, passion activates everything. Like, desire activates everything in God's universe, including God responding to you. So at some point, each of us need to come to actually, in our soul, in this part of us, start having a desire or passionate longing for God. Now, we can do that without really knowing who God is at this point. One of the passionate desires we can have is actually coming to understand who God is. So that can be a passionate desire in itself. Now, if you had a passionate desire to understand God, what would you do? You would probably start reading lots of material about God, letting yourself feel as you're reading the material, what might resonates, what doesn't. You know, you'd probably read through the pageant messages, you read through channel material that's about divine love, and you'd, you know, start connecting with God. Now, how many of you have attended these talks? And, and I know this is a pointed question, but how many of you have attended these talks, and I've talked about the pageant messages, and I've talked about the Robert James Lee's books in almost every talk. How many of you have ever read a word of them? about half. So the other half of you, you need to ask yourself, are you really passionate? Are you really passionate about coming to know the truth? How do you become passionate and create a longing if it's just not there? It's a very good question. Yeah. And uh, how many of you feel that you sort of like got an interest, but not, you know, just like, when you go home tomorrow, you'll get involved in your life and, you know, it might come up again next week or you might get an email from Grant and it'll come up then. Or, do you know what I mean? How many of you feel like that with your, with your whole life with regard to spiritual development? How many of you feel like your spiritual development is your life? Right. So quite a few. Okay, that's really good. So, so how did you get from this one place to this other place? Pain. Pain. So for many of you it was pain. Do I need to experience pain to be passionate? No. no. But often what happens, for many people, as you can see in the audience, for many people, often what happens is they go through lots of pain first and then they realise they need to become passionate. So my suggestion is don't do that, if you can help it. Right? If you're not in a state of pain now, don't try and create one just to become passionate. The key is to start opening up yourself at the soul level. And you open up yourself at the soul level through desire. So it's only generating a longing in the soul that actually creates this opening up of the soul. 
And that's a longing for truth in the end. So I know you're here because you have a longing for truth. You want to know what the truth is. There's already a passion inside of you to know truth, right? So what you, what you do is you find out all the things that you are passionate about and then sit down with all of that and let yourself feel about how you generated those passions. And in almost every case it was by you coming to know about it and then wanting to know more about it. And eventually that wanting to know more became a desire and eventually it became a passionate desire. And that's how you generate passion in the end. So it doesn't, it doesn't come from apathy. We can't just sit down and wait for passion to enter us. You need to focus on that feeling of that wanting, reaching out for God or whatever. And reaching out for truth even, even if, you're not, even if you don't believe God exists really at this point. Even the longing for reaching out for truth. Just say to God, look, I don't really believe you exist really, right? So be honest. I don't really believe you exist, but if you exist, bring me some truth, because that's the thing I'm really interested in, right? And, and see what happens. Set, you know, start having a longing for that and see what happens. And in the end, you'll find God responding. And let yourself feel those responses that are going on. So how many of you are not firmly convinced God really exists? Uh, would there be quite a few? Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you ever know whether God exists? Well, firstly, set, this is where the truth sets you free. Right? It's not God setting you free, even. It's the truth that sets you free. Because when you start having a longing for truth, then all these other things come to you. So just try setting your intention. I want more truth in my life. I want truth in my personal life. I want truth in my emotions. I want truth about the universe. I want all of this to come to me, and I really want it, and I really want to start getting some passion about that. And then see what attraction happens after that. Just notice, the next week, what happens to you. What emotions are coming up. And you'll see there is a response. Right? And the key is then to build on that response that occurs. But if it's not pure from your heart, then there will be no response. So that's one of the laws of God, in fact. Can I ask you a question? It, it, it ties in with what you're saying, and it's a part of the toing and throwing I do on my own mind. Um, part of the psychology of rulers is that if you can get the peasants to worship a god, which emulates their ruling patterns, they will subconsciously accept you. Um, in other words, if you get the peasants to have a god, if you can control the god, you can control the peasants. That's how it happens forever. Yeah. So, basically... Which um, is the basis of most religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so how do you not become a religion? How do you not become part of that? How do you not become political? Or it, This is what I'm saying. It's, it's the most puristic of, of, of movements have become Masonic, if you like, um, just turned into a, to a structure of control. Yep. Um, how do you prevent on a personal level that happening with what you're doing? You mean, how do I personally prevent that from occurring? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, firstly, I don't want control. So, so whenever anybody tries to get me to control something, I just reject it. So, you know, it's not in harmony with love to control you. What's in harmony with love is to give you the gift of truth and for you to decide what you're going to do with that. So what I'm encouraging with each person, and this is the same thing for yourselves eventually as you're growing, if you're encouraging people to be dependent upon you, then what are you encouraging? It's like the Catholic Church of your previous life. I mean, that, that, that emanated and attached itself and attached itself and, and became a form of rule and, and every, every, every tent that the original doctrine was posted. 
Um, and, and that's one of the saddest things. If, if you attach faith or passion to something, you can very often forget where you originally started. Yeah, let me address two, two things first. Firstly, your emotion. Your emotion is there is a deep fear inside of you regarding religious control. And that's an emotion that you will need to let yourself work through and release. The second thing is that the, what I'm promoting is your relationship with God, not mine. I want my relationship with God, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is encourage each of you to have a personal relationship with God. You do not need a mediator. You do not need somebody else to show you it, even, in the end, except for maybe some basic principles uh, about emotions and the soul and all those kind of things. You don't have to listen to a word I say in the end, either, right? Because you have free will, too. All you need to do is connect with God and have a desire for God's truth to enter you. God answers you. If, if there is a God, don't you think she's going to answer you? If there's no God, she's not going to answer you, right? Isn't that quite simple? If there is a God, she'll answer you if you're sincere. If there's no God and you're sincere and you don't get any answers, then obviously there's no God. Try it out and see. You know? So, with regard to your relationship with God, though, like there's nothing, I'm not, I don't want to accept any form of power or control or anything like that. So, how could anybody formulate anything around me with, with my approval? Well, it did after you died last time. <laughs> Was it with my approval? <laughs> why did they do it, and why did they do it last time? Um, just, just those who rule have to control the belief system. Exactly. And what am, I, what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to duck every system and connect with God directly. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what, my, that's what my life was like in the first century and what it's like now. And that's what I'm asking you to do. You don't have to, but that's how you connect with God, by actually connecting directly with God. And when I say duck every system, I don't mean that every system will need to be destroyed. Every system will be incorporated in it. Like, there'll be lots of different religions, for example, that in the end they'll incorporate the principles of divine love in them and they'll all be on the path. At the moment, many of them are not because they're not incorporating those principles in them. So my intention is not to create another religion. My intention is to actually form this same principle in all religions. That is, this is how you connect with God. Connect with God this way and you will feel God. When you feel God, you will know what I'm saying to you is the truth. And I have to say, it's the only way. I feel in every single time, AJ, I feel deepened gratitude and it just gets... I've searched all of my life since I was three when you came and saved my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel gratitude yeah. that what you say is so loving and so empowering for all of us and for me in person. Yeah. And every single time... I've seen you from the first time in the DVD, that enormous gratitude. So thank you. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah the, the key is, that if, you think, if you think of it, in the end, all I'm trying to do is encourage your personal power. Right? And I'm showing you where your power exists, that's all. Now, you don't have to believe a single word I'm saying, and in fact, I have no emotional attachment to you believing it. You follow me? To be honest, if none of you rocked up today, I would have just gone and had some fun with, uh, with, with Mary and... Uh... So, so I, I don't need, I don't need 
you to respond, but I'm here because I love you, and I want to tell you the truth that, you know, that, that has been a part of my life, that's all. And you don't need to even respond to any of it. You don't even need to agree with any of it, even. But I can guarantee to you, if you follow it, your life will completely change. How many have already your life has completely changed? That's a lot, isn't it? How often can does that happen just through learning some truths? Yeah. But if something has brought us here, then the desire for truth is there, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So trust your law of attraction. You've got this guy in front of you saying he's Jesus, just trust your law of attraction. He's, he's obviously bonkers and you need to have someone bonkers in your life to trigger you, right? Or he might be Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I suppose a doubting Thomas is coming here, but I'm not doubting. I'd like to know this. Um, we hear, hear and read and understand karma and the karmic laws. Mm -hmm. This is a bit personal for you. Mm -hmm. um, as Jesus, mm -hmm. and I've not met you before, and so I'll, I'll just believe that this is who you were. Um, being brought up a strict Catholic, but understanding the Bible, whether the Bible's right or not, I'm not sure. Um, the life and death of Jesus as we know it. Um, believing that maybe Jesus was the perfect being and that we should try and aspire to be like Jesus. This is my question to you. Yep. You as that person, why do you have to be incarnated, reincarnated, still with shit, karma? Well, if you understand the soul, you'd understand all those questions. On the DVDs, on the CDs that I just gave you, there's a hundred page document explaining the answer to your question. So my suggestion, have a read of that, and then if you've got more questions, ask me about it then. Is that alright? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. The, but the document will explain a lot of those things. <laughs> um, the truth is I'm subject to exactly the same laws as you are. So when I reincarnated, I was subject to exactly the same laws of emotional assimilation that you were. When you incarnated, what happened to you? What happened to you was you were a pristine unblemished soul. When you incarnated, from the moment of conception, when you incarnated, you started absorbing emotional injuries from your environment, right? And that's what's created what you have now, this combination of pure desire and emotional injuries mixed up all together inside of you right now, right? That's what's there. And it's exactly the same for me. I've just reincarnated, but at the moment of conception, my new bodies and my new physical and material bodies start absorbing these emotional injuries. In my case, because there's a lot of memory-based experiences, all of my memories are getting filtered through those injuries. 2,000 years of memories, actually. So it is no, no different except that you don't have the 2,000 years of memory, that's all. That's the only difference between me and you. Right? And obviously I'm in a different state from a love perspective because of already you, once you receive divine love, you can't lose it. But you can forget it. Right? But you can't lose it, ever. And you'll find every little bit of divine love you receive, you'll never ever lose it the rest of your life. Ever. Once you receive some, you can never lose it again. 
So my suggestion, again, is just to have a read through those explanations. If they resonate with you, then let them. If they don't, then we can answer more questions. There is a whole discussion, by the way, that I have on reincarnation, which is, again, another discussion like this. And we're getting away from our soul discussion. And I really want to get back to our soul discussion. Now, now I know it's hard to uh, stay on one subject with me sometimes, right? And all of these different thoughts and feelings come into your mind. But my suggestion is write down some of these questions that you have, right? And then, and perhaps, you know, we can answer them in just one question and answer session or something like that, rather than sort of interfering with the discussion that I want to get. Because this discussion will answer many of these questions as to how all of these things occur. Right. Now, it might be time for a break, do you think? Yes. Yeah? So we'll have a break, and then we'll come back to this discussion. Now, of the material that, we've just, uh, that I've given you, we've covered basically pretty much the first page of stuff, and uh, although not in the order and sequence of which I probably would have. And I don't want to, at this time, stage, spend too much time on some of the other things, because they're just facts, really, in the end. And rather than giving you facts, what I would like to do is connect, help connect emotionally to a lot of this material. So, what I want to do is just talk a little firstly about some law, the law stuff for a moment, which is the start of the second page. But then I want to talk a lot about setting your intention to progress what, what soul progression really is about. And uh, we'll speak a lot about that. And, uh, and that really would li I'd like that to be the next part of our session. What I would like you to do with your questions from now on, if you can really focus on staying on topic, all right? And because if you don't, then uh, this discussion will uh, be a half-baked discussion that we'll have to continue at another time. And I'd really like all of you to, uh, to come to the understanding of what your soul really is. Right? And it's so important for you to understand that your whole life is governed by your soul. It's not governed by what you think you're deciding to do. It's actually governed by your soul and the choices you have made at the soul level, which are the emotional choices that you are making. Right? So many of you at the moment have a feeling in you, for example, that you're unworthy. Right? That you're unworthy to connect with God, for example. That unworthy emotion right, is actually creating things. It's creating things around you constantly to trigger itself. Right? And that is your true soul. Now you can tell yourself, and many of you I've noticed are telling yourself things like, I am worthy. I am worthy. And isn't that just the same as the affirmation thing, you know? Like just going for a jog and saying you're worthy. In the end, you want to get away from that and you want to go into the truth. Right? It's the truth that connects you to God and to yourself. So go into the truth. So what is the truth? The truth is I don't really feel worthy to connect to God. The truth is I need to experience some emotions about that. I need to cry about that or, or feel about that. Do you follow me? That's what I need to do. Yeah? Do you always have to cry? Well, it depends what emotion, emotion is. But, but if it's grief, yes. But there's other, there's other ways to release an emotion apart from crying? I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, how many of you want there to be another way? <laughs> there ain't no other way. <laughs> well, anger is covering over, covering over. Anger is not a real emotion. Anger is a covering over, a suppressive emotion that's covering over things. Remember that your true soul emotions, all of the things that heal your soul are about grieving. Grieving is the healing emotion. It's about letting go of all of the things that have happened to you over your life and actually letting yourself experience the things that you've tried to not experience. Say if one of the causal is um, unworthy, yep. if, if you do things that you have fears or phobias against, and you actually do that and put trace up in there, is that a release of the... And it can trigger the release, but it's not the release. Like the release of emotion, there will always be a shift inside of yourself that you will feel. And you will get to a point where you don't have to try to do it anymore. It just happens automatically and you don't have any negative or, or, or resistive emotions towards it. So understand that if you release a causal emotion, the law of attraction just changes instantly, just like that. Like it's instant. From that moment on, you won't have to... like. Like, for instance, I dealt with an emotion about money, and the instant I dealt with that emotion, I started receiving funds. I, I, I've done this, this going around traveling all around the world, talking to groups like yourselves. I've done that for the last nearly six years now. It was only up, up to one year ago, I hadn't had a single person come up and thank me. So I've been doing it for free, and I hadn't had a single person come up and actually really give me a feeling that they had a heartfelt feeling of thanks. Thank you, Ajax. <laughs> I'm not saying this to get one from you now. <laughs> Why didn't I have that? Because I had an emotion inside of me that I needed to release where I felt that people were thankless. And it took five years nearly of living with thanklessness before I allowed myself to experience that emotion. The instant I allowed myself to experience that emotion, now many of you have already expressed your thanks to me and, 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 and some in a financial way, some in a, in a giving way, some in providing accommodation, all sorts of different ways, right? Now that's happening all the time, but only after I dealt with it emotionally. You follow me? Yeah. My soul was attracting thanklessness. Mm -hmm. right? and a similar thing happened with regard to my interrelationships with women of all types. I was finding that I was just attracting these needy women that wanted me to keep giving and giving and giving and giving and expressing myself and express, you know, helping them feel like they're loved and all those kind of things. But in the end, they also wanted to try to control me. And then in the end, I'd stop them controlling me, and they would then get angry with me and run away and say, look, AJ's a bastard, and you know, he's not very nice at all, right? And in the end, it was all being triggered, an emotion inside of me of my willingness to allow a woman to control me. Right? What I had to do is deal with some deeper emotions within myself. The instant I did with that, all of the women within, who were around me who were doing that within one week left. Or their excuses. 
Sorry? All excuses are they giving me? Oh, all sorts. Yeah. Most of them are angry with me because I had changed. They said I had changed. And my answer is, I sure have. <laughs> I sure have changed. I'm now no longer going to accept. But look, many of them thought, like, I would, we would have time together and they would then get angry at me and swear at me. And instead of just saying, getting up and walking out, what I would do is I'd sit there, take all their anger and swearing, give them a hug and say, oh, I'm sorry, you know. And, and, and eventually they'd connect with the underlying emotion. And then I'd talk to them about their anger, nice and patient, all these other things. And then, lo and behold, a week later, what would happen? Another issue would come up that triggers emotionally. And what would they do again? Same anger, same response, same thing. Not learning a thing, right? And the instant that I dealt with that emotion that caused me to keep doing that, they were left. So what I'm saying to you is, if you deal with the emotion, everything will change instantly around you. Your soul is the true thing that is guiding your life. Your soul is you, the real you. Not the fictitious you, the, the bit of you you want to hold on to in here, right? Not your definition of you. It's what you really are. So if you're angry with men inside of your soul, that is what you're putting out in the universe. And you know, your young son who comes and screams at you occasionally is telling you that. You follow me? It's the soul attractions that are keeping on hammering you. And they're saying to you, you have these emotions within you right now. This is what's guiding your life. It's not what you think is guiding your life. You can make as many intellectual decisions as you want. Nothing is going to change until you feel the causal emotion inside of you. So, get back to the soul. What is the soul? <coughs> so let's get back to the soul. Here's my soul. Right. What part of it is me? It's the passionate part of me. It's the emotional part of me. It's the desiring part of me. It's the intentional part of me, the part that intends things. It's got free will. And this little thing here that we call a body, and this other little thing here that everybody wants to work on in the spiritual movement called their spirit body, right? So we're talking about the physical body which you could call the material body, and the spirit body, they're just appendages of you. Why work on them? Why go along to these constant forms of therapy and all these kind of things if they're not helping you emotionally? Right? Because this is the real you. This is the bit that you need to focus on if you want to have a relationship with God. It's what's in here that matters and some of what's in there is truthful, loving, honest, open. And some of what's in there is fearful, judgmental, angry. And you need to release that bit and choose to release the bit that is causing the resistance within your soul. And stop focusing on this metaphysical stuff. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Stop focusing on the metaphysical stuff. Um, when you have a physical element... Is that, I know it's, it's, it'll be an emotion you chose not to deal with, Yes. but does it just pop up on anybody randomly or is it specific to where it pops up? Yep. 
every, every physical ailment you have is a total reflection of soul-conditioned things that you're holding on to. And each soul-conditioned emotion affects a certain part of your body. And have you written stuff on what different organs represent? And um, I don't need to because there's so much material already written about all of that. But how, which ones are accurate? Cause um, well, all those that concentrate on the emotion generally are more accurate than the ones that concentrate on the mind or the intellect. Right. So a lot of these things over the coming years will all be updated and, and sorted out. But at the moment, if you can go back to this every single time, you've got a pain in your body. Who's got a pain lower back right at the moment? Right? Unworthiness issues. Right? To do with self-love. Right? Who's got a pain across their chest at the moment, feeling a bit of asthma, maybe tight chest? Grief. You need to cry. You need to do a lot more crying. Some explain liver. Some explain liver. All to do with fear. Right? lot through here, all to do with fear, right? Eyes, not willing to see my problem, not willing to see the big picture. Uh, kidneys, uh, not off, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Sorry? Um, a lot of anger-based emotions come out in your skin. So you'll find itchy skin, like hives, um, you know, eczema, those kind of issues, often related to suppression of anger, which is the suppression of grief, really. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure. Blood pressure. Um, Should write there, a book on it, AJ? There is a book written on it. <laughs> I think I've got it in here, actually. No, I haven't. It's called The Body is the Barometer of the Soul. Yeah. I've told you about it already, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty accurate. A lot of it is very accurate, yes. But, but, remember with all this, Alright, I read the book, it says, yes, I've got a problem there with my, you know, feeling tight across my chest. It's to do with sadness. Does that help you? No. Because what do you need to do? You've got to feel the sadness. So in the end, knowing where it is, 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 is slightly helpful, but is it actually going to help you connect with it all underneath? Not unless you're totally willing to experience the emotion. So you need to get back into this. This is the real you. Every time you deny the real you, you are not loving the real you. Do you, do you follow me with that? Yeah. Um, so you can, you can look after and nurture this body all your life. You, know, you can pop a few pills in it to make it feel better today. And you can go and get a massage here and whatever there. But if, if you're not dealing with these emotions, you are not loving you really. You're just creating a false sense of security inside of yourself. To love you really, love your emotions. Love the feelings that are in you. All of them, painful, pleasurable, don't select them. Feel them. Express them. It's only the unreleased emotions inside of you that will come up. <coughs> do, do you follow me? Like every emotion inside of you is either an emotion that you're feeling either right now or it's an emotion that's been frozen in time in the past that you've not allowed yourself to feel. Right? Set your intention to feel those emotions. Yeah. Right, so let's talk about that. And, well, yeah. What if you continually cry over something? You know, like something has happened, and every time you think about it, you just There's either one or two things going on. Either it causes a lot more pain, and you just need to cry more, or you're not realizing a truth yet, not accepting a truth. Right? So, um, for example, um, I had a lot of uh, emotions about over the last sort of, uh, I can bring up a few examples. 
But I'm not sure how, uh, how one member in my audience might feel about them. Um, so, uh, so what we'll do is, I think, is bring up some other examples. Um, the one example I'd like to bring up, though, is this issue with regard to uh, money that I have. Right? What happened was that um, I had an inherent belief. I, like, when you're in the spirit world, you can see everything that's going on as a background behind money. So you can see all of these evil groups of spirits influencing the monetary systems of the world, controlling all the people in power, and actually, and the people in power are not the voted people. No. Right? They are, it's all that's all a facade. And you see all of this happening, and what you see behind the scenes is this huge, uh, like, group of spirits and people on earth that are, that are the core drivers of all of your financial systems. Yeah. All of the financial systems that are wrecking your life, basically, are all created by these people to create fear and control. Yeah. Now, as a spirit, you see all of this operation op in operation. Right? So, I incarnate. After seeing all of these things in operation, I incarnate. What's one of my highest emotions? Is, is money and all the systems behind it are just evil. Yeah. Right, that's one of the biggest, big emotion inside of me. So what is that going to generate in my life? Money issues. Of course, money issues, of course, because what, what am I feeling? Money is evil. Like, so anytime I get a piece of paper in my hand that looks like some money, it's evil. You know, there's this emotion that I'm not experiencing with that. You follow me? Now, a few weeks ago, I was talking to one lady, my law of attraction, and I could feel she had the same emotion in her without... And this is the thing is, many times you can feel someone else's emotion better than your own, right? And you'll find this the case all the way through your own progression. And then I, so nowadays what I do is I reflect back on my own life all the time. All the time. So I'm, I'm asking myself, why did this lady call me? It's because there's these issues and that issues and there's some childhood issues and child fragmentation and all those other things and none of that connected with me, resonated with me. And then, it, then I got it, right? that she's got some very large issues with money. She's going totally broke, this lady. And, and, and I could feel that her father was a part of this UN monetary system. And he actually would speak to spirits in front of her. He would speak to the evil spirits in front of her who were controlling the US mon these monetary systems. And they would actually strategize what they're going to do next to actually take money off of people. Right? Worldwide, I'm not talking about on little, yeah, little right. measures here, I'm talking worldwide governmental systems. And because of that, from a very, very young age, she has this huge emotional injury regarding the father, the evil part of the father and what he was doing, and money and all of those kind of things. So whenever she just feels about money, she just feels this terrible dread and anger and, and so forth. So she rejects it. And once I realised that, that was my law of attraction going on there because that I had the same feeling in me. I released that. So I you know, cry about that. I released that. And once I cried about it, there was like feelings of grief about that because, because I, I know all of these systems in, in themselves are not the problem. The problem is the intention that all the people have behind them that creates all of this evil. Right? But... But inside of me, I had this automatic association. Evil money, evil money, evil money. Release that, and all of a sudden I start receiving money. 
happens automatically. But <laughs> those who create the money only do it to get power. Money's illusionary. It's just a means. It's a total illusion. And in fact, the world we'll have in the future won't have money. But, but, but at the moment, we're going through this transition phase where people like yourselves are coming to see the truth about all these systems. Well, the same people who are inventing money are inventing a future where we go about money um, and possession to be held in the banking corporate sector and be administered. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about any of that. All of that is just going to all die. Yeah. The whole lot of that is going to die. Yeah. And there'll be world events that will occur that will create that, that will make that die. And you'll see this all happen in the next five years or so, or just all this pass. Um, I do that in my emotional clearing discussions. So we're getting off the soul again. We'll have to talk about that in another discussion. Just still focused on the soul, however, with respect to the uh, new age adage of higher self or crystal self or different things like that. The, the perception and feeling is like there is some part of us which is extremely intelligent, extremely wise that we try to want to bring in or kind of tap into. The impression I get from you, the soul is all of these. I don't see or feel that there's a huge, vast intelligence or anything like that in the soul. Is that this is where, where the only intelligence is. But is it how so, see, see, as soon as I start talking about intelligence, yeah. Knowledge. Virtue. Sorry. Virtue. Uh, virtue is a quality. Is a more of a soul quality. But yeah. these these things are more coming from this this still this intellectual desire to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But all those things are automatically when when we get these in harmony with God. Mm. All that's automatic. That's what I meant by seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. So at the moment, many of you are still wanting to understand intellectually, wanting to get things, wanting to be knowledgeable and work wise and all those kind of things. Give that up. What we want is just to be like a child, isn't it? Don't you just want to have fun? Yeah. <laughs> isn't that what it's all about? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, if having, and after a while having fun, you know, all of these things will come to you. You'll work out how everything works really easily and you won't have to study it either. You'll just feel it. Oh yeah, I feel that. That's a new truth. Wow. Like, you didn't have to learn it from any other source because you got taught it from God through your emotion. Right? So what you will need to do, and the desire to get into this is all about still the desire to understand. Right? That comes from an emotion. I don't understand. Feel it. Feel how useless it is to intellectually try to understand things. That's an emotion the majority of us have, right? We want to understand because we actually feel we're quite dumb in the end. So feel that. Feel that emotion. When you feel that emotion and you no longer have that emotion that you're a dumb idiot anymore, what will happen is that you will automatically have all these truths come to you and you'll realise the power of yourself. You'll realise the power of your own soul. That makes sense to you? Yeah. Right. So every time you focus on this part of you, you are getting off focus. You're getting off focus from this part of you, which is the real you. Right? Every time you want to understand everything, do things intellectually, you're getting off of this. Right? If it's about fully experiencing this, that's the real you. That's the part we always need to focus on. Every single thing in your life, every accident you have, every illness you have, every emotion you have, every law of attraction you have, 
Everything that's going on in your life is created by that. Your mind had nothing to do with it. You might think you want to have something to do with it, but it's too bad. You only have something to do with it at that level. No. No, this is your soul. Nobody else's. It's your soul where you either retain emotion inside of you that you don't want to release, that's your free will, or you release it. And it's just by the releasing it or the retaining of it that creates your reality. Right? You have total control over that reality. Nobody else does. God is saying to you, I want you to live your life. That's why I gave you the gift of free will. I want you to do exactly what you want. But whenever you want to do something that breaks some of my other laws for the harmony of my universe, there's going to be some kind of pain in your soul. So if I'm feeling pain, I've just broken some laws or I've broken some laws in the past that I'm not willing to deal with. That's all. Right? I just don't want to become aware of them. <coughs> so how many times do we get some pain and then what do we do? Go and get aspirin. Right? <coughs> but what's that doing? It's just saying like, oh, oh, I've got some pain. It's not emotional. It's got to be to do with the body that I've got. That God gave me. Yeah, he gave me a crappy body, come and think. Because <laughs> it's getting all of this stuff, you know, happening to it. But in reality, I just created all that. And I'm not accepting that truth. You follow me? If I'm not accepting this, I'm not accepting all of these truths. And if you focus on this truth, everything in your life will change. Everything. So, you know, all the secret stuff, you know, how they say, you know, set your intention, write down a picture, have a mental image, all those kind of things. It's only going to work as far as it affects this. So if it affects that, it'll work. If it doesn't affect it, it won't. That's why for some people who've tried it, for how many of you have tried the secret stuff for the last five years and it has, hasn't worked for you on some major areas? Lots of areas. Lots of areas, right? And the reason why is because it's not focused on the soul. Uh, it's focused on. Oh, I better pick up my piece of paper. It's focused on the. It's focused on this part of you. You know, trying to create something with the intellect. Yeah. The soul is is the real you. It creates everything, and I, you are your soul. Like a lot of people say, are you the rein to me? Are you the reincarnation of Jesus? I'm sorry, no, I'm not. I am Jesus. I just happen to be reincarnated. My soul is the same soul that it was all the time. Exactly the same soul. Your soul will never change. Aside from growing, I mean. It will never change. You won't become another person just by reincarnating at some point in the future. You won't become another person. You will still be your soul. This is the real you. This is the real you. Not any of this. Yeah? In the, in the, uh, the introduction, you know how you got like... Um God's children and this cluster of souls all together. Are they sitting in a specific spot in accordance to planets, or are they just a general spot they all sit in and they just go to different planets around the universe? But again, you're thinking very physically, and the question is, is, is like we're talking about the soul, and now we've got onto a question that's about your intellect again. Yeah. You see that? Can you see what you're trying to do now? Is you're trying to understand some physical things about the intellect, about the soul, but in rea in reality. When you let yourself feel your soul, a lot of these answers will come to you automatically and you will not need to ask me. It'll just come to you, bang, bang, bang. How many, how many has that happened to you already? Where you've had a question one day with me, you didn't get the chance to ask it, 
you allowed yourself to sit on it emotionally, you let yourself feel, you connected with God about the question, and bang, you realise, oh, I know what the answer is now. Or somebody else asked the question. Or somebody else asked, or whatever <coughs> happened, right? Why does all that happen? Because this, it's happening all at the soul level, right? So, so the question, although like a valid question, how does it help our discussion at the moment? I can give you the answer, it's in there actually. But I don't know, it's part of my nature, it's really... So let's go into the nature of, of you. Your nature is to understand things here before you allow yourself to feel them here. That's the nature. That's the area that if, that if you can do the most work on that, that's what's going to help you understand all things. <coughs> you understand what I'm saying? So what would you suggest to do if you're very minor-oriented or you're seeking, seeking wisdom and knowledge all the time? And yeah, there's no harm in seeking wisdom and knowledge. Firstly, let me say that. There's no harm in that. But if it's taking me away from this, now there's harm. So I should ask, why is, why is it taking me away? Well, the question firstly is, why do I want wisdom on it rather than just feeling it? Why, why do I want to know about it rather than experiencing it? See, here's the experiential part of us. This is the part of us that observes the experience. Yeah, because I feel like I learn best once I have all the facts and I'm, and I'm observing something. No, you don't. You actually learn best when you allow all your emotions. That's the only time you learn something. So you really talk about pecking order, aren't you? Because one's a product of the other and the other's a product of the other. So it's just a means of obtaining information. It's, it's like if you... I, I believe in um, um, a logical intuition. In other words, I'll get intuitiveness about something and then I'll intellectually fill in the space. Exactly. People try to intellectually create something and then identify it backwards. Exactly. But, but all, all knowledge comes through, through the soul. All and no, and all the intellect only pieces it together in word format so that other people can understand it. Exactly. All true knowledge comes through this method. Yeah. All through this method, not through this. When we're focused on this, we're, we're trying to get away from this because there's emotions inside of us that say, I can't feel until I know what I'm going to feel. <laughs> How many of you are afraid of what you're going to feel, so you choose to not feel? How many of you are afraid of what you're going to feel, and so you need to know first what it's going to be? How many of you have actually come up and asked me, what emotion do I have inside of me? And my question often comes back, why do you want to know? <laughs> why can't you just feel it? Like, I can feel your emotion, so why can't you? you know what I mean? <laughs> the reason why you can't is because this thing is going on all the time. Get away, you need to get away from this thing and back into this thing. So do, do I need to have a, a really massive emotional <coughs> breakdown to, make that, to bring me down to the... I'm going to ask you why you asked that question. <laughs> but can you see the motive behind the question? What's the intention behind the question? You want to know what it's going to be like before you do it. That's the only motive behind your question. Right? Many of you want to know what all this divine love stuff is going to feel like before you do it. And you know what? I can't tell you any of that because it's only going to be what it is for you when you begin experiencing it and feeling it. You follow me? But with that soul, because that's God given, isn't everybody's soul beautiful, wise, and radiant? And it's then a lot of, depending on the culture in life, it's 
So, but, but why is it buried by negative emotions? Because the emotion is frozen in the soul. Remember, emotion is energy in motion, not frozen. When we freeze the energy, when we freeze the feelings, what happens is all of our experiences are created around that frozen emotion. So let's say I'm unworthy with women, right? So what am I putting out there on this great big antenna saying out to the world, I'm unworthy with women, treating unworthy all women, calling all women <laughs> who are willing to treat me unworthy, right? And so what happens then? Like, of course this emotion is going out. Now intellectually I'm not saying to myself, I want to be treated unworthily by a woman. What am I saying in my mind? I don't want to be treated bad. I'm worthy, I'm worth something. I'm not, you know, this is the things we're telling myself. But the emotion is there saying something totally different to the universe, not just to the next door neighbour, to the universe, right? And while that emotion is within me, I'm going to track the long line-up of women who want to hurt me. Right? And they want to do that because it triggers my unworthiness even more. Because that's the thing I need to experience. When I choose to go into the experience of feeling the unworthy emotion fully, I will no longer be going, treat me unworthy, treat me unworthy. I'll be actually saying to the world, I'm a worthy man, and to be with me, you're going to need to treat me pretty well. But it's not going to be an intellectual thing that I say. Right? And this is a problem with all movements on the earth. They all say all these intellectual things. What they try to do is they skip over all the emotions and say, this is what is going to be in the end. The feminist movement is a movement like that, really, in the end, isn't it? It's a backlash movement based on the bad treatment of women that they now, we're now saying all women bound together, we're going to you know, have affirmative action and affirmative rights for us being treated right. But the only way you're going to be treated right is to release the emotion that you have about being treated badly. When that happens, automatically, the people around you will change. Just like I described earlier, around the people around me changing, all around, automatically the people around you will change. And the people who, who, who are going to reflect your true emotional condition at you will be attracted into your life. This is the power of this. So if they emotionally feel they don't have to use awful political correctness, you don't, you, why would you bother? What is political correctness in the end? It's just words in the end, isn't it? It's all just words. But this is why you need to involve God in the process. Because the truth is, if you do it without God, yes, you will be spending a long time of your life. There's been spirits in the spirit world that has taken 2,000 years of your time here on earth to get from a place in the first sphere, in, in terrible emotional condition, to the sixth sphere, which is the perfected emotional condition of the natural man. They've taken 2,000 years. With God, there's been spirits that have taken nine months to get from one location to the celestial spheres, which are two spheres above the sixth sphere. Right? Just by focusing on the real self, getting real about themselves. Right? So the, the thing is, involve God in the process. Now, many of you, by involving God in the process, will have a huge, emotion, overwhelming emotional feeling about that, that you're unworthy for God. And, you know, and all those, let those emotions come up, cry and grieve and experience them. Let yourself experiencing them. Everything you experience will just lead you closer to God. Yeah. 
So if you can solve your problems with God, will that solve your problems with others? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. See, what God's trying to do, think of it this way. When you interact with another person, you have emotional injuries and they have emotional injuries. So they will have emotional injuries in receiving love and they will have emotional injuries in giving love. And you will have emotional injuries in receiving love and you will have emotional injuries in giving love. So that introduces four areas of error straight away in your relationship. You find, you see that? So straight away, I think I'm trying to give love and it's not really love. I'm wondering why she can't receive it. But the thing is, she doesn't want to receive that kind of love anyway. And then she's trying to give me love, but it's not really love. <laughs> and I'm trying to receive this love, but I'm not really feeling it's love. Right? And you've got all of that going on all the same. It's very confusing. Isn't it? <laughs> right? Now, let's look at it a different way. Let's say I connect with my, with my father, with God. God doesn't have an injury with giving love. And God doesn't have an injury with receiving love. So any time you're not feeling God's love enter you, it's because of your injury, not hers. That makes sense, right? So if you're not receiving divine love enter your soul, it's because of an injury inside of you. Don't condemn it. Don't, don't punish yourself for it. But go down the track of just feeling it. Feeling what the, about what the injury must be. Of finding it. Setting your intention, and we'll talk about intention now. Setting your intention to find out what this injury is and experience it and release it. Yeah? Once you do that, experience it and release the injury, it will no longer define your relationship with God. And because you've now healed that permanently in your soul, it's no longer going to define any of your other relationships either. Right? So the beauty of working through everything with God is that God doesn't have these emotional injuries that you have or that your partner has. If you, work, if you choose to work through all of these emotional injuries with another person, you've got four sets of emotional injuries to deal with. If you choose to work through your emotional injuries with God, you've only got two sets. They're all belonging to you. Where how you give and how you receive. Right? Just two sets of emotional injuries. And the beauty of that is that you know exactly where you're at at any one time. So, like, if I'm not receiving the flow of divine love that I've recognised within myself, you can feel it as an emotional experience, and I'm not receiving that, then I know I've got an injury. There's a reason why I can't receive that. There's a blockage I'm putting up. I'm basically saying to God, no, 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 no. You, you want to give me your love your way, but I don't like your way. That's what I'm really saying to God, right? I want it to be my way, thanks. And, and by rejecting God's love from flowing, I've, I, this emotion is going to be exposed at some point. If I choose to set my intention to find out what it is. If I notice that God's love's not flowing through me, and every time I'm not reflecting that love, it's not flowing through me either. And I notice those occasions. That's all I need to do. But it gets a lot more complicated if we try to sort it out with a person. Right? So, so, example. Let's say you're alone right now. And you're hanging out for a partner. Right? You know, when that partner comes into your life, you're going to find that it's going to trigger you on a lot of emotional levels. Right? But some of those levels are going to be their problem, and some of them are going to be yours, and how are you going to work out which one's which? Now, the way to work it out is, firstly, work through your own issues with God. Work through those issues so that you can receive and give love. 
and you can feel it flowing out of you, feel it entering you, you can feel God's divine love entering you, and as you do that, automatically, you will heal these, all these areas in your soul. And the law of attraction will bring you the people to trigger those emotions. So, like, I never had a relationship for five years. And, uh, and no, I didn't get horny the whole five years. No, I can do, there's, there's automatic good questions popping up in her mind, and I. Can... <laughs> anyway, so I have to answer them. But, <laughs> but what happened was that big, the reason why I didn't feel that sexual attraction was because those emotional injuries had been healed, right? In the sense of as to why I was looking, you know, why I was looking for relationships that weren't my soulmate relationship. But that doesn't mean I didn't have a lot of injuries to still yet to deal with about the soulmate relationship. But for that five-year period, I attracted woman after woman after woman after woman into my life on a friendship basis who continued to, as I explained before, try to boss me around and dominate me and all of those kind of things, right? And I didn't enter relationships with them, all I, in the sense of sexual relationship. All I did was allow them to trigger the emotion. So in one case... Every time she was angry with me, one lady who, who travelled with me for a few months, every time she was angry with me, I'd go in my room and cry. Then I'd come out, give her a hug and, and say everything's alright. And then she'd be angry with me again and I'd go in my room and cry again. And then I'd come out again and everything's alright. And then, what am I not learning here? I'm a very slow learner, as somebody pointed out last time. Right? What I'm not learning is that that I have this deep emotional fear, obviously, of acting upon this unloving treatment, right? And I wasn't learning to actually now do something about... So I was having my cry about the effect. She was treating me badly, and I would cry. So I was crying and releasing the effect. But the cause wasn't being connected. The cause was that I was allowing this continual treatment of anger, 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 because I felt unworthy of having any other treatment. Mm. Now, once I felt that emotion, which took about three days, and I experienced it in Greece, and once I dealt with that emotion, automatically, I could not deal with one more moment of this same lady doing the same thing. Mm. So how did you behave then? I sat her down, and I said, um, I won't say her name, but I said to her, if you keep treating me in the manner in which you're treating me, I am going to have to withdraw from you. Because how you're treating me is actually very unloving. And I actually sat her down and actually told her the reasons why she was treating me as well. I listed those five, group of five emotions that she had, core emotions, that I listed down for her in a discussion. Now, she found that discussion quite easy at that time, but within a few days was in a state of really rage with me. And she will not speak to me now at all. Yeah. So she hasn't faced well, the opposite injuries yet. And I'm pretty certain she will at some point. Right? But I'm getting back to my own situation. My own situation was I was willing to keep on going and keep on going and keep on going in this situation forever, really, until I had the realisations and the emotional experience of why was I letting myself continue to be treated in the manner I was. Not intellectually, and there was an emotion. 
and I needed to connect with that emotion. So what, at what point in time do we just accept a message that's like in the face? Like, where is that? That's after you've gone through all the... After you, yeah, don't try to jump to the end without experiencing the emotion in between. Mm -hmm. All of us attempt that at some point. Well, people say that we should accept whatever's coming to us. And but accept it in the way that, emotionally, accept that it's come to me, what's the triggering inside of me, go into that experience. Go into that experience. Because what happens is that I can accept it intellectually and say, oh, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, Jesus said slap me in the other cheek and that's fine. How many of you really feel that? How many of you, after the first slap, just want to punch the person back to you? Yeah, the eye for the eye, tooth for the tooth, then, right? No, I didn't. I didn't say eye for an eye, tooth for the tooth, ever. Right? The, truth, the truth is, at the end, you'll get into a condition... Right, that you will be able to cope with anything for anybody and it will not resonate with you. But let's get truthful at this level first. At the moment, you get hit. How do you feel? How do you want to respond, really? No, don't do all the spiritual mumbo-jumbo and all of you know, those things of trying to cheer yourself up and all that kind of stuff and, and then go down the road of telling yourself that it's really all all right and you understand they're in a bad place and all that. Go into your emotion. How do you really, really feel? Isn't it most of the time you feel, that was unjust? No, I didn't deserve that. You know, you feel like, you know, you get really hurt in your heart. <coughs> feel that hurt. Feel it. Feel what's going on. Experience that hurt. Release it. Connect to it, the childlike feelings that are going to be underneath it. Connect to those and release those. And you know what? There won't be another person who wants to come up and hit you at all. So I went through this really long phase of almost every single person getting angry with me. I'd have groups like this and I'd start talking and because I'm truthful at the start about who I am, half the group would just project all this anger at me, get up and leave. It was quite good after that because everyone that stayed it was a bit more open emotionally. But, but what I would feel was this huge wall of anger and hatred just being whacked on me, right? And it just triggered all of these emotions that I'd go, that I'd go home usually and have a big cry about for the next week. And then I'd go through the emotion of, oh, why bother doing this? You know, this is just a thankless task, and, which was another emotion, another cause of emotion I had to work my way through. What's the point of, you know, helping people that don't want to be helped? And, and all those kind of emotions. But now I feel totally different to all of that because a lot of those emotions have been released. Does that mean you're attracting different people now? Totally. Yeah. Well, all of you can feel each other's spirit a fair bit here, right? Mm -hmm. You don't feel too much resistance here, right? Do you? Wow. Right? Now, the first meeting we had here in Brisbane, like, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot more resistance, wasn't there? Yeah. You could feel that, couldn't you? Right? Can you feel that, that obviously something's changed? So something in the law of attraction has changed. What's that? It's my law of attraction. <laughs> <laughs> we did send an email. Because <laughs> the same people got the same message that their group was here. But now just different people come along, right? And the reason why is because as you change at the soul level, things automatically around you change. That's an automatic thing, right? Yeah. AJ, I'm worried that I cry about the effects and don't get involved. It's a common problem. And, and we have a whole discussion about cause and effect and how to identify causes with effect. But just briefly, when you have a feeling of peace afterwards, and can feel the divine love flow into you when you ask for it, 
that usually means you've just dealt with a cause. If you go into this state of just still feeling bad and still feeling bad and crying the next day, crying the next day, crying the next day, and the law of attraction keeps bringing you the same events, you are not dealing with the cause. You're just dealing with the effect. So in the case of this lady interaction with myself, you know, she, over a period of about six months or so, there must have been 10 or 12 times where she was screaming, swearing at me, pretty much. like. And I would sit there and take it. So what's my law of attraction? It's telling me I haven't dealt with the cause. Right? And I'm still having the same, I'm crying about the effect. So every time she does it, I'm crying about the effect. I'm not trying to protect that, project anger back on her, which is, okay, which is better to not do that. But I still wasn't connecting with the cause. <coughs> but we'll talk more about that in the whole other discussions. But it's part of that, like you sort of say you cry for five weeks and the question was, okay, when I am dealing with cause or effect, do you know, like on Monday, I have been crying about the cause or the effect, or do you have to wait for five weeks of crying to know, well, actually no, I don't I'm even bother that. asking myself that question. Right. And the, the whole reason why you're asking these... Sometimes, but then it came up the next day, so I know I haven't finished it. So, you know, I know I've let go of a little bit, let go of a little bit, let go of it, and then eventually I got to the finish where I let go of the cause. And you'll find the same. You're not going to be able to have one release and everything's fine. Right? Anybody who tells you that, they just don't know about their emotional work, really. You're going to have to do many releases, and eventually you'll be fine. The law of attraction will tell you when it's fine. Your law of attraction will change. I don't want to have any more questions about this now because I want to talk about this intention thing. Alright? It's really important. Here's your soul. Here's God. God has created this universal structure of law. You could call it God's intention. In other words... Everything that's happening around you is the result of your emotional condition mixed with God's intention. And if your emotional condition is against God's intention, right? In, and if it's against God's intention, in the end you could say it's in disharmony with love. So if your emotional intention is in disharmony with love, it will create negative or painful effects in your soul. If your emotional intention is in harmony with God's intention, in harmony with God's laws, what happens then? Everything just goes really smoothly. So it's when... Um, has anybody read the book by Dr. Wayne Dyer, Power of Intention? Mm. Is there quite a few of it? Okay, one thing I like that he says in there, there's a few things I like he says in there, actually. But one, one thing that I like that he says in there is that when you talk about intention of your soul, we're not really talking about the power of the intention of your soul. We're talking about the power of the intention of your soul matching the intention of God's soul. So you see, see, when your soul's intention no longer matches God's intention, you are now bucking against the system. And when I say the system, I'm talking all of God's beautiful laws. It's based on love you are bucking against. Right? So that's like trying to push a wheelbarrow full of rocks up a hill. Right? That's what it's like. You're pushing, pushing against the law, against gravity. The gravity of God's intention is there's God's intention, and when I align my intention with God's intention, that's when there's real power. That's also 
I suppose you could say ironically, when there's also pure happiness. The same thing applies. So, intention isn't this thing, the intelligence and the knowledge, forcing yourself down a road. It's not that. Right? Intention is far different to that. Intention is when your soul's power, your soul's emotion, matches the emotions of the universe, you could say, or God's emotions. Right? And when the two match each other, you'll find your life will just fall into patterns. Now, all of you at some point have had the experience where little bits and pieces have fallen into line just really easy without you doing anything, right? How did that happen? It happened because at that moment your passion and your emotion and your intention matched God's. That's how it happened. Right? And as soon as it doesn't match God's, now you're on your own. And when you're on your own, then everything's like pushing up, uphill. I just... <laughs> Okay, just a very brief, simple example. Let's say you come up to me and you want me to hear your story. So let's say you start telling me your story of your life. My feelings are, hmm, this person wants to tell me a story about their life. What's their aim? Now, in most cases, their intention is that they want me to commiserate with their story. Do you understand? They want me to understand. Now, you're placing quite a huge burden on me, actually, because every person that meets me wants me to understand. Right? And how many people are there in the world? <laughs> and then how many people are there in the spirit world? And I'm meant to understand them all. Is that what you're asking? Because <laughs> that's really what you're asking. Yeah. Can you see that? So what's the intention? What's God's intention? God's intention is for you to talk to God about your emotion. That's God's intention. You follow me? So when you come up to me and I reject your intention, what, what do you feel? Unworthiness. Unworthiness or pain or you feel angry with me or whatever else you might feel, right? But all that is just exposing that, that you've actually done it out of harmony with God's intention. God's intention is that you talk to her, right? God's intention is to allow you to, to communicate firstly with her, right? So... That just, that's just one example. My soulmate doesn't feel that's a very good example. But it's one example. Um, I just wanted to ask you about desires, because I was very surprised to see they on the soul. Normally, you know, people talk about letting go of your desires. Yeah. Yeah, all this talk about letting you go of your desires is allowing the intellect to take control. And God doesn't want you to do that. God wants you to have your desires. Why would he create a sexual desire and then say, you've got to let go? And then create, you know, desire for love and then say, oh, you've got to let go. go. And desire for all these other things. A desire to give, oh, you've got to let go. go. Like, why would God create desires and then want you to let them go? That doesn't make much sense, really. Right? What we need to do is to connect with our desires in harmony with God's intention. So... Yes, God created your sexual desire. Do you think God also created you to have the sexual desire so you just have sex with everybody and anybody? No. no. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got free will. You can have sex with anybody and everybody if you want. It's not, it's not in harmony with love. 
Do you see what I'm saying? It's not in harmony with love of yourself, because it's not what you truly want at your soul level anyway. And it's not in harmony with love of others, because there's this temptation then to hurt or harm others. And what do we receive? We see results of that are disease, particularly sexually transmitted diseases and so forth. All of these things are the results of the disharmony, just telling you it's not in harmony. God allows you to do them, but he's also telling you the results of the disharmony in the process of doing it. So in that case, if my desire matches God's desire, there will be no disharmony in me physically. There'll be no disharmony in me emotionally. There'll be no disharmony in the other person that I'm interrelating with if we're talking about sexual desire. There's the, person, the other person whom I'm having a relationship with, there'll be no disharmony with either. They will feel completely happy and I will feel completely happy. And it's totally in harmony with love. If it's not totally in harmony with love, then one or both of us will start feeling some pain about it. So desires are really important. In fact, there is a law. God's created the law, a law of desire. And every single thing in your life actually is governed by that law. Lots of your attractions. So, you know, I've been talking a lot about the negative attractions, I suppose you could call them, of the soul. I don't believe they're negative because every attraction of the soul is there to release the emotion. But when we're going through it, we believe they're negative, right? But all of those attractions are there because of the desire of your soul to clear itself automatically of all its error. Everything's about desire in the end. Right? There's all these beautiful laws that when we understand from an emotional perspective, that they all make a lot of clear crystal sense to us. But notice in this section there that I didn't say, I said that intention is not setting your mind. That's something. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, how many times are you told, you know, create a mental space and a mental image? It's, it's going to be okay if you do it with that emotionally. But many of us don't. We just sit there and just imagine for a while there's no emotion in it. There's no emotion in it. While there's no emotion in it, nothing will be created. It's only when there's an emotion in it that something will be created. And it has to be a pure emotion. Right? If it's not a pure emotion, then it will not be created. So you can tell yourself all you like that you've got a pure desire to have a good relationship with somebody. But if right now, right at this minute, your relationship is not what you imagined it to be, then it wasn't your pure desire in the first place. It was a desire of your soul to actually expose its emotional injuries, creating this relationship. So work on that. So if you set your intention towards divine love along the divine path, will things just evolve? Will relationships evolve? Everything will come to you. Just everything. Everything will come to you. And I've listed there some things about what the intention is. So that's why I've said it's from the soul, it's emotional. I've said it's humble. In other words, it's willing to experience all emotion. Every single time you decide to select your emotion, you are automatically detuning from intention. So every single time you want to feel good and not feel bad. How many of you do that on a daily basis? got a list of all these good, 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 good. Surrender, prayer, choice, faith, trust. Read those definitions there and think and just allow yourself to ponder about them because they are all a part of your intention. But without your intention, without you setting your intention, God's laws can't act with you. You're acting against God's laws if your intention is out of harmony with God's intention. Uh, AJ, can I just say something? 
Yeah. I just feel it's really powerful to highlight that your intention, if you set your intention towards just growing, your souls grow. Um, you don't have to worry a lot about God's intention because you, you, you're setting your intention to grow. Mm. And through that, you're going to experience your emotional error and injury and you're going to release it and things will naturally come into alignment. Mm. If we really focus on what is God's intention, what is God's intention, it's almost like we skip over. If I just want to be humble and experience my growth, mm. then yeah. I'm going to get to God. Yeah, and in fact, God's first intention for you is to experience your emotion. Yeah. So that, so that's the first thing to understand about God's intention, is that her first intention for you is to be emotional. Well, you look at a child. Isn't a child emotional? So God's intention for you is to be emotional. Right? Every time you detune from your emotion, you are detuning from God's intention. But like Mary says, you don't have to... You don't have to think about what God's intention is in any one case. All you need to do is be humble and experience all of your emotion and set your intention to do that. Because that is in harmony with God's intention for you. Yeah? yeah? When a person's intentions and desires are the same as God's, is that when they become one with God? Uh, eventually what will happen is your, all of your intentions and desires will be in harmony with God's intentions and desires. It doesn't mean that you won't have your own feelings mm. and your own thoughts and your own passions. What it means is that every feeling, every thought, every passion, every motive you have within you is in harmony with love. That's what I mean. And once that's the case, then you're at one with God. Yeah. And you'll feel the one with God occur. You actually go through a process of actually understanding your own immortality as well. And so that you feel that transition occur. And it's a transition that occurs after lots of emotional work initially. Um, each portion of divine love you receive, you, you retain and you'll never lose it again. But receiving divine love is like an ebb and flow type situation. I release a bit of un error, I receive a bit of divine love. I recognise another truth, I receive a bit more divine love. And that keeps growing and growing and growing as it, as it might go over a period of a year or two years or whatever, to eventually I get to the point where there's no more error. And once I get to the point where there's no more error, I go through this transformation of the soul into the divine. And that's what I call the new birth, or being born again. And like in the first century, I spoke to this man, Nicodemus his name was, and he was a, he was a religious leader in, in, the, uh, in the Pharisaical movement. And he, I said to him, don't you understand what it means to be born again? <laughs> and the truth is that most of us don't understand what it means to be born again. And what it means is to go through this transition, this slow transition of growth, until we get to the point where there's now no longer any error and there's only truth in our soul, there's only divine love in our soul, and when we reach that point, we will physically feel a transformation inside of us. Right? And many, many of you will choose to experience that transformation here on earth. And when you do, you will understand what it means to be born again. Because it's only when we experience it that we understand it. Yeah? Nothing will come up that will be painful in your life ever again. Nothing. You can't be at one with God and experience pain. You just don't. Nothing will come up in your life that will ever be painful again.
Now, a lot of people feel that it's just utopia. And I'm not. This is reality. This is God's reality. Just not ours yet. Yeah? Is it true what it says in the scriptures that there will only be 144,000? No. That will have that potential? No. <laughs> the reason why is because God is not partial. Just a point to sort of try and um, fit together what you've been saying in my mind, somebody else. Say if you, you uh, meet an opposite sex, say a woman. And you find that there's a really strong attraction you have for that person. But at the same time, you can see a lot of faults in that person that's going to lead to a, an eventual sort of fall down. You know, which way do you go? Do you go with the fatal attraction that you know is It's going to take you on a journey which is going to lead you to motivating the question for you there. Okay. Just look at, look at what's the underlying emotion that's going on inside. Like what's, what's going on is you want me to make rules for your behaviour. No, you, no, I don't want any rules. Well, um, yes, I, you I, do. I want interpretation of, of your philosophy in relation to, to which direction would you go. If you're, interpretation if you're, of my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't telling you nothing. That, like, none of this is my philosophy okay. for a start. This is all stuff that God has taught me. So it's not my philosophy. It's God's truth. Now, you can take that or leave that, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the second thing is that I'm not saying you I'm saying you can have that connection with God and you will know the answer of what to do in that situation. Automatically. Without having to ask any other single person around you. Now, oftentimes what we desire we we are led by our erroneous desires. Our desires that are based on error. And, you know, if we're led into to sexual relationship after sexual relationship after sexual relationship, we are being led by a desire that's not in harmony with love. Look at your intention. Mary said a good thing that I've written down here somewhere, and I'll just find it for you. Oh, true morals come only from love. Depending on intention, the same actions may be loving or unloving according to what motivates them. So, uh, in answer to your question, if you are look at your motivation, you may find your motivation is just to have, get horny and get, up and get off. It's what? <laughs> 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 motivation might, might be just to get horny and get off sexually, right? In other words, to have you ha actually Look, have... Look, that's always a part of you, honest with yourself. That's a part of everybody's emotion. <laughs> a part, a part. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> this is one of your erroneous beliefs. And, and the truth is that it's not a part of your emotion. 
The truth is, look at the intention. If my intention is just to have sexual fulfilment without love, then my intention is not in harmony with God's intention. My intention isn't loving. Now, sure, you can make the choice now to go down that road if you want. And you'll get some resulting pain. And that pain may shock you or shake you into getting into a different place. Right? But it depends on your intention. Your intention may be to have a sexual relationship with this woman to heal sexual problems within yourself. Now we're talking about a more loving relationship. Where you're now loving yourself and you're loving that person, you know, in terms of a, at a deeper level than just having the sex. So most people have sexual injuries, right? You know, we're taught terrible, terrible things about sex, right? Many of you will need to work through those sexual injuries. How do you think you're going to do it without having a sexual relationship? <laughs> you're not going to be able to do it without having a sexual relationship, right? But if you're just having a sexual relationship just to have sex, and you're not having a sexual relationship to work through all the emotions involved with it, then, it's, then your intention is obviously, in that case, not harmonious with love. No, so, what, I, what I said, I, I'm, not, I'm hmm? a part of everybody's intention when you have... I don't know if you've been a teenager, that was over 2,000 years ago. Yes. But, 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 you know, when, when people are getting this powerful biological pull that you're saying when you have that, um, and, and, and therefore part of your intention, part of what you do would just be for the last school part. And, and, and it has to be. See, see, we're always coming from our emotional injury perspective. Always. Because we believe the emotional injury is the truth. The truth is that every single child who's ever born, if they did not have any sexual emotional injuries related to sexuality, by the time they're six or seven years of age, they would have met their soulmate. And by then, they might even be having a sexual relationship with their soulmate. Right? Now, I'm just saying the truth. Now, it might trigger you, like children mucking about with each other sexually triggers you, then that's an injury you have, right, in the end. Because in the end, a lot of these things are to do with injuries, right? So what, what, we're, what we're talking about here is look at, look at the intention behind everything, what's going on. What, what's the feeling going on behind it? You know, if I'm trying to justify having a sexual relationship with people without there being emotional content, without there being something going on emotionally, then what I'm trying to do is just justify my own horniness, which is actually just justifying lust. And there are literally billions of spirits who have passed into the spirit world who are now in the first sphere, still justifying their lust. Billions. Billions. Yep. You know how many people on earth say, like, a prostitute is a bad woman and all this kind of stuff? Honestly, there are far more people who pass over in the spirit world in worse condition than any prostitute who's ever passed, who have never been a prostitute in their life, right? but they have deep, serious, emotional sexual injuries that cause them to continue to lust and lust and lust and lust to their own detriment. Right? It's a huge emotional injury that affects all of the world today. So the key thing again is to get back, what is, what is the intention of why I want to have this relationship? Is my intention to heal stuff within me and to help this lady or man heal stuff within himself? And is my intention to focus on all of my emotional injuries? And is her intention to focus on all of her emotional injuries or his? Is that our intentions? See, that's a loving relationship.
no matter who it's with. Because it's honest. Because it's honest. And it's also truthful and it's exposing my soul. Which is any base relationship based upon my soul and the love for my soul is going to be a good relationship. Even if it's a temporary one. Right? If I don't have that viewpoint and all I'm doing is having sexual relationships so that, so that I can get this feeling that I have of sexual dissatisfaction, like, satisfied, then all I'm doing really is just fooling myself. I need to go into what's this emotion driving this? Right? What's my intention? This is where your intention can be like totally different for the same situation. So I could get a fat person up here next to me and say, did you know you're fat? Just to embarrass her. Couldn't I? Now, was my intention in harmony with love? I've just broken a law. I've broken a law of love just by my exercising my intention in that way. But I can... But I can actually talk, a woman might ask me, why am I fat, what's going on? And I can talk about those emotions within her that cause her to create the weight being put on. And that can be a loving act. Right? Can't it? So, on one hand, my intention was to harm. And on the other hand, my intention was to help. And yet the action was almost identical. By exposing her condition to herself right, in each case. So do you understand the difference, like how much difference intention makes? Yeah. It's a huge difference, isn't it? Yeah. Mary said another thing, like um, the intention behind the actions and not the actions themselves should guide your conduct. Right? So just think about that for a moment. The intention behind the actions should guide the conduct. So, like, when you go out to get an ice cream, what's your intention? Alright, now, if we're trying to comfort an emotion, is that loving ourselves? No. So straight away my intention is in disharmony with love of myself. Do you see that? Now I can still go out and get an ice cream and, and, and it'd be a totally different intention. Now the truth is the majority of us eat because of our emotional intentions to satisfy these, these emotions within our soul that we don't want to feel. Right. And that's why we eat. You, like, women period time, you know, chocolate, women period time, you know this, right? Why is that? There's an emotional intention, there's an intention to avoid an emotion, isn't it? And you can do it, that's fine, God says, no worries, just put on a bit of extra weight for the next few days and have to take it off during the month, right? And you can keep, you can keep solving or you can keep calming down your emotions by doing this. But in the end, it's not going to bring you closer to God. My suggestion is do the opposite. Set your intention to expose your emotion. Right? To actually focus on this part of you. Um, AJ, what would be a loving you're asking a question from a guy who's never eaten ice cream the last five years. Do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> and in today's environment, um, if I look at all of the intentions that I would have regarding ice cream, I couldn't validate myself having them. Now that's not, like last night myself and Mary had some soy ice cream and that's totally different. Yeah. But milk and the, the, the different things that are happening on the earth today because of milk um, are terrible. There's some terrible things happening to, to animals in particular but also to humans. 
as a result of this huge pr pr promotion of the destruction of God's creations. And, and I couldn't, in my own heart, set my intention to do that. Yeah. But again, what you set your intention to do is up to you. What I find is every time I had it, and I used to, I'm, you're talking to a guy who used to get a four litre container, get a knife and cut it into four and eat a litre at a time. That's what I used to do. <laughs> Right? And what was I doing that for? To cover up lots of emotions with a big sugar hit, right? which I loved. And I'd, pour, I'd then pour, you know, chocolate or caramel syrup or whatever. Chocolate. That was my idea of a lovely meal. So, <laughs> do you understand? Like, like, now my intention is to love my soul first. And ironically, when you love your soul first, all, your body sorts out all of its issues. You start losing weight, everything just falls off. You'll eat the same food, you won't, you know, and sometimes you'll change the food because of the love that you don't feel is in there anymore. And you will just change your intention and suit your intention in each case, go through the emotions and release them. And in the end, everything around you will change because of that. So set your intention to do this work. Really set it. Many of you at the moment are still playing with it. You follow me? You're still trying to have an intellectual argument as to why you should do it. Right. And why do you want an intellectual argument? Because this soul screaming out to you saying, no, don't, don't go there, don't go there. Right? It's saying, I don't want you to go there, it's too afraid. So deal with some of those fears. Yeah? But what the soul really saying, I really want you to go there? No, because the soul has emotions that are erroneous as well within it. Remember the soul is a combination of the true emotions and the false emotions. Right? When I say false emotions, I'm not saying they're not, they're not real emotions, I'm saying they are error-based emotions. And so, so, you know, the problem is the soul has this combination of emotions. So one of the emotions is in your soul, it's a belief deep within you, is a fear, a huge terrifying fear about what it means to be emotional 24 by 7. How many of you feel afraid about what's that going to do to your life? Yeah, it's going, like many of you feel it's going to ruin your life, don't you? And I'm, I'm saying, no, 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 it won't actually, it, it, it will actually make this beautiful life. But at the moment, there's a belief inside of you saying, no, AJ, no, 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 you, you're wrong, really, right? There's no way no one feeling your emotions like that is going to create a beautiful life for me. You know, I'm going to tell my husband that I don't really love him most of the time. What's he going to feel about that? And my answer is, he needs to feel his emotions about that. <laughs> and you need to feel your guilt about that, right? And then I might tell, you know, I might tell my job, people at the job, go stick it because I don't want it anymore, right? And, and, and then, you know, what will I do? I'll be broke. Yeah, so you need to feel about that too, you know, what, what it feels like that you feel like nobody cares about you and nobody wants to support you financially and all those things. There's all these emotions we have locked up in us and we do all of these things over and over again to calm them all down, to suppress them really. Right? And all we're doing is nursing our little inner child saying, there, there, you don't have to feel that, you don't have to feel that. Right? That's all we're saying. And the truth is, what's God saying? Yes, darling, you've got to feel it. That's what God's saying. Yes, my son, you've got to feel that. And, and it's the choice that we make, this intention, the setting of a choice, 
that we make, instead of calming ourselves down and making us feel all secure, what we need to do now is let go of all this stuff and in the end, we will feel totally secure, totally calm. Right? But it won't be a manufactured state anymore. It won't be something I've got to try from here anymore. It'll be from the heart. And what I would like to do is just read a channeling to you. This was a channeling, and I must say, though, um, the person who channeled it no longer believes that what she channeled is correct. <coughs> <laughs> so why would that be? Um, because the channeling had information about it in the channeling about me being Jesus, and she no longer agrees with that <coughs> statement. So she went, she's gone through some emotions about that, and she feels that I, she can't, you know, she can't agree with that. But I find this channeling really beautiful channeling. It has very little to do about me. So that's why I find it so beautiful. And so let's look at the question that was asked was, why are so many on the divine love path having such a hard time emotionally and not progressing much? And, and Beatrice, Beatrice was a celestial, is a celestial spirit, still is a celestial spirit, whom I met about two years ago when she was in the first sphere. So she progressed from the first sphere to the celestial spirit spheres in nine months of our time on earth after learning these truths. And then she came and channeled this information. And this is what she said. Well, firstly, they are not fully choosing. They are intellectually choosing, but not choosing with their heart and their soul. Then they often have preconceived ideas or notions of how this emotional path should be for them, and this cannot possibly be helpful to them. Any, an emotional path towards love and the truth of God has to be one of trust and faith and allowing, surrendering to everything, working, feeling on a soul level, without the mind influencing that flow of emotion towards God, which is your personal journey that is unique, quite unlike anyone else's. Until this is fully experienced on a soul level, the law of attraction operates in all sorts of ways to distract, creating difficulties and additional emotions because there is no clarity from within, from the soul level. Remember? From this level. Right? Once a person has chosen fully here, the path is clear. The distractions fall away. There are no additional difficulties and it could then be said that it is plain sailing in many ways of course, very emotional plain sailing, towards the full desire that your soul is calling for. But until that time, that moment of fully choosing, this cannot happen and further difficulties will continue to be created by your soul to attempt to show you that you are not fully committed to your chosen path. You are sending mixed signals out from your soul and your soul creates further mixed signals for you to experience. So how does a person who says, but I'm really wanting to be on the divine love path in totality, but then finds themselves stuck or in continual anger, for example, change things. Interestingly, the lady who channeled this is now in continual anger with me. So it's an interesting... Because this person is, I am sure, intellectually stating that they are really wanting to progress. This is a dilemma that in many, many in the spirit realms experience. As simply as possible, the best way to explain is to say that you have to want everything, every single experience, painful and beautiful, ugly and extreme, in every way to become a part of who you are. 
to so want these changes that you give up all those things you know will hinder your progress. To have such a strong desire that you can feel the pain of that desire on every level of your being. So that the desire is so strong in you, you, fe you feel propelled. You have no choice. There is just surrender to trust and faith because you, your soul, is yearning for that love and truth because it's always been there. It is there, it is simply hidden, clouded by the damage from all those years of being out, in, out of harmony with the truth and love. Know that this is all within you to reach, to heal you, to become who you really are, to see the truth, to feel love and greater and greater levels of beauty that you can have no comprehension of as yet. Why would you linger? I can say to you now from my reality in this magnificent celestial kingdom, words cannot do justice to the beauty, harmony and love that surrounds us all and it just keeps getting better and better, more and more intense, beautiful. So why wait? I would have loved to have been given this knowledge while I was still in the physical. To have been without divine love for all that time now seems a waste. And dear, that's why as I'm... And I choose to help you and many others through you. This really is the most remarkable journey and I am in gratitude to you and I, Jesus, for your part in my discovery of a path that is quite exceptional. I will do all my can, I can to help you, all of you who now call on me. I love you with all my soul, each of you, and I encourage you to find that deep place within you for the full choosing that is, simply, that is simple once you have done it. It's a nice message, isn't it? Yeah. You can see, you can see though, with the, with regard to fully choosing. I'll be glad when I get rid of these classes. <laughs> Got to fully choose that one too. <laughs> All right. So yeah, with regard to fully choosing, it's so important to understand that it's about experiencing the pain and the pleasure, right? Experiencing everything, and many of us are not prepared for that yet. So just pray to God about that, long to God about connecting with everything inside of you in reality, not avoiding it. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Don't avoid what's there inside of you, no matter what it is. Yeah? Over the last few years, emotionally and spiritually, it seems like there's been so many changes. And yeah, the, the key is there are certain causal emotions that create certain physical infirmities in every person. Often what we're doing is we're releasing this emotion and releasing that emotion and often we start with the emotions that are easier for us to deal with, right? So we start with an emotion that's quite easy for us to deal with. When I say easy, at the time it doesn't feel easy, it feels overwhelming because every new emotional experience is an overwhelming experience. We just grow. But eventually we get to the stage where we can deal with some really deep causal stuff. Now, everything to do with operations and physical problems and, and, and injuries that we have and all those kind of things are all to do with emotions that we are yet to experience. Right? So the key is, don't get down about it, or if you are going to get down about it, at least talk to God and have a good cry about getting down about it. But let yourself start working through and seeing what those injuries would be. Ask God to show you them. 
So instead of saying, oh, you know, I've got this particular problem, I need to take that particular pill or have that particular operation, let's go down the track of asking God firstly, what is this emotion that's creating this? Now, you can take the pill and have the operation. That's all your choice. But ask firstly what the emotion is. It's always going to be an emotion that creates everything in you. When you said haven't experienced the emotion yet, does that mean we chose not to fully experience in the past and we haven't fully experienced it? Or that's right. emotion that we need to... That's right. Every, every emotion that's locked up in you has been frozen in you because it wasn't fully experienced at the time we needed to. And the problem is that for many of us is when we were children, we weren't in the space to feel them emotionally because we were shut down constantly, right? So, so that's the issue. Don't punish yourself for that. You've just got these emotions locked up inside of you now and, it, and they're locked up inside of you now because the people who locked them up inside of you didn't even know how to experience their own emotions, right? So, so now you're making a choice to feel them. Feel them. They are all going to be old and they're all going to be very childlike in many cases. Feel them. Let yourself experience them. When you fully experience them, you will never experience it again. Right? It's like tipping out a bottle of water and in the end, it's empty. Right? You'll never need to experience those negative emotions again. It's only when... But what often happens in practice is we're not completely fully choosing it. Right? So we deal with a bit of this and it was so painful and our soul expands a little and then we deal with a bit more and it expands a little and deal with a bit more and it expands a little more and it just keeps on expanding like that. And to be honest with you, it can't be an all of a sudden thing. It'd kill you. Right? It would. Like it would kill you if it was an all of a sudden thing. So let your soul, set your intention to just feel these emotions and set your intention that you're going to do that every day. Right? And you want that desire and intention to grow. Let yourself feel it. Be an emotional being from now on. Feel your passions. And I'm not talking just in a negative sense either. I'm talking in a positive sense. But what do you really want to be doing now? Do you want to be doing your job now? If you don't want to be, then why are you there still? It's because of a fear, right? So deal with that fear. Let yourself feel the fear of leaving that job. Put yourself there emotionally. And let yourself feel what that's going to feel like. And go through that emotion. And you'll attract another job that you want after that. Right? But every single thing you're in right now is about an emotional issue you need to deal with. So deal with it. Let yourself feel it. Experience it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So understand, and this I want to say just in conclusion, understand that this is you. This isn't you. This isn't you. They are not you. Every time you work on these, you're not working on you. You're just working on a part, the appendage of you. You follow me? Every time you work on this, you are now working on you. You are now loving you. That is the real you. When you work on the real you, and you bring your intention to just feel all of your emotion, you set that intention, what's going to happen is your emotions, because God has the same intention for you, that you feel everything, and your emotional intention is now the same as God's emotional intention, everything is just going to flow to you. Everything. Everything you need to expose every emotion in you is just going to be attracted to you on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. 
And you don't need to be afraid of it. Right? Love it. It's leading you home to bliss. Yeah? And you'll get... You, it'll be like, initially it'll be like climbing this hill, you know, and it just gets steeper and steeper and you're chugging away up this hill, you know, trying to deal with all these emotions flying at you and you just let yourself feel each one and feel each one. But you get to a point, you know, in the progression where you're starting to realise that there's hardly any emotional baggage here anymore. And everything starts to feel light now. Like, it starts to feel lighter and lighter and lighter. And of course, that increases your momentum. And you'll find that initially it's going to be very difficult, there's going to be some very dark nights of your soul. And then as you work your way through these emotions, eventually a lot of those things will clear. And oh boy, the projection when I said that was very strong. The dark night of the soul. Many of you are very afraid of that. <coughs> right? Very afraid of that. Have some deep fears about where is this going to take me? Understand that God has you in her arms. You are her precious child. And she's not going to take you anywhere where you cannot go. She's not going to take you anywhere you cannot go. She loves you and cares for you. And she wants you to experience her love. She wants you to understand what it's like in here to experience bliss. She doesn't want you to think you know. She wants you to experience it, to really feel it inside of your heart for yourself. Right? And she's going to nurse you through this whole process if you let her. And that's why I like the comment by Wayne Dyer, and I'll probably finish with this one. I've written it down, I think, somewhere in this outline. I think I've written it down somewhere in the outline. Oh, yeah. Good morning. This is God. I'll be handling all of your life today. And I won't need your help. <laughs> so have a good day, a miraculous day. And that's, that's all you need to do. Like, understand that God's got everything in hand for you if you just set your intention to deal with these emotions as they come up. Just trust it. Honestly, if you set your intention just this week to try it out just once, you will see some results with it straight away. All right. All right, well, that's uh, the end of our session today. Um, um, do we need to say much about the next one? Really, not, not do we? I haven't decided the subject of the next one. Just to make some announcements. You do need to make some announcements? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for...